Hello, everyone. This is Lisa Freitas. And I'm Katie Saad, and welcome to another episode of 90 Day Disasters, a 90 Day Fiance Recap Podcast. We are two moms, lawyers, and reality TV junkies here to break down for you the fire in a trash can that is TLC's 90 Day Fiance. All right, everyone, grab your K-1 visas and let's get started. Oh, and because we are lawyers, we need to cover our butts. So please listen to the disclaimer at the end of the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our inaugural episode recap. So excited. Um, This is season six, episode one of 90 Day Fiance. And throughout this podcast, you will see updates. So keep checking back because we're going to do archive recaps of before the 90 days, seasons one and two. Um, and we're, we're hoping to get started with that this week or next week, just to start getting um, an archive built. And we're really excited to start this and, uh, and get this going. Yeah, I mean, speaking of which, um, please bear with us. We really, I mean, we definitely are not technologically savvy people. And <laughs> neither of us has ever done a podcast before. So essentially, um, we are doing this on an app and uh, we're trying to get things to get the content out to you as quickly as possible, given that there is a like a current brand new season of 90 Day Fiance. So we wanted to be timely about that. We will be working out kinks in terms of sound quality and technical issues. It's not horrifyingly bad right now because I listened to the first episode, um, <laughs> but it's it's not great. So please, please don't think that it's not going to get better because it definitely will um and with that in mind yeah patience (laughs) is a virtue that I don't have and with that in mind um I'm going to introduce myself um and then Lisa will introduce herself um we are as we said in the intro both lawyers I am not currently practicing I am a stay-at-home mom I have two kids I'm married I have two kids one is two and a half and the other one is five months old uh, actually, I guess she's almost six months old. Their names are Mo, Maurice, actually, and Odette, although Odette we call Petey, and I'll probably get into the backstory on that eventually. <laughs> um, you'll also be hearing from Petey. Um, she is sort of going to be squealing in the background sometimes. Don't worry, she's fine. <laughs> and um, let's see, I when I was practicing, I practiced complex commercial litigation, which is exactly as boring as it sounds. Um, and then I basically stopped working not not right after, but you know, soon after I went, soon after my son was born, my first child. So I'm not currently working as a lawyer. Um, and and beyond that, regardless of that, keep in mind that Lisa and I, while we are lawyers, this is a just a fun entertainment podcast. We are not giving any legal opinions whatsoever. We have not only not done any legal research and will not do any legal research <laughs> in relation to the show and the things that we say to you, but we also don't do any research at all so whenever we say anything legal or otherwise take it as take it with a grain of salt Um, everything is purely opinion and even when we state them as facts they're just opinion (laughs) (laughs) legal or otherwise so please keep that in mind um and you know I I certainly intend to be pretty open on the podcast with sort of my life and you know, who I am um, in the style of Casey Wilson and Danielle Schneider of Bitch Sash, which is sort of our raison d'etre, if you will. And it's the podcast that kind of brought Lisa and me together. It's a Real Housewives um, breakdown podcast and um, huge props to those ladies. They really inspired us. And it's what made Lisa and me want to do this. She and I, Lisa and I 
became very close very quickly as friends because we realized we both had this obsession for um, truly terrible TV. And we <laughs> want to share that with you, uh, mm -hmm. that misguided love and affection. So with that in mind, I'm going to turn it over to Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa Freitas. Um, I'm married and I have three kids. I have a 15-year-old stepson, Aiden. I have a seven-year-old daughter, Olivia, and a two-year-old, almost three-nager, <laughs> um, June. And um, I still practice law. I'm a family law attorney, um, but primarily I do mediation now. So I work with both parties and um, I love it. It's super fun. It's super flexible. Um, I work with my dear friend from law school and it's just great. Um, and Katie and I both live in the Bay Area. Um, we both live in the East Bay and it's just fun to see how the other half lives. Um, and, and, and commenting on it, quite frankly. I mean, we started commenting and talking to each other about these, about all things Bravo and just in general, you know, and then we started actually Katie turned to me on to 90 day fiance. And yeah, I, I did. Just You're welcome. It, You're welcome. Uh, thank you. I can't turn it off. Um, I, I'm obsessed. So I know, I think it was so funny that like, maybe I think I told you about it on like a Saturday or something. Cause we were having dinner. This was like relatively recently. And then the next day or no, on that following Monday, you wrote me in like late afternoon and you said, yeah, it's three o'clock PM. I have done no work today. I've been literally just binge watching 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. <laughs> I just cracked up. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. That's, it's what I do with my time. And I've been watching it since it came out. Lisa and I also are into other um, reality shows and we will probably be commenting on them. I'm even throwing around the idea and please comment on our Facebook page. If this is something that would interest you, I'm throwing around the idea of doing bonus episodes, breaking down old episodes of real housewives, because as a loser, <laughs> essentially with nothing better to do, <laughs> even though I have small children, I have, I got into probably actually, you know, I think I was pregnant with my, with my baby at the time, or maybe I was like nursing in the middle of the night. Well, I definitely was. I would be watching very old episodes of Real Housewives on Hulu. So I actually ran through all of the Real Housewives of Orange County. I'm now on just starting season five of the Real Housewives of New York. And the thing that, that really is true dedication right there. No, I mean, I really love it. And the thing, it's amazing. Like as, as sort of an, actually, and I was a history major in college. So as sort of an historian of sorts, it's really cool watching the old episodes it's a kind of a different world like the, the United States was different then if you're talking about 2008 you know you had the recession um and also the women themselves were different the show was different Andy Cohen our lord and savior was different um so I've been you know as I'm watching these old episodes I keep thinking to myself oh my god this is this is so interesting like people have forgotten about this like for example and I'm just gonna give a quick tidbit I'm sorry guys but not sorry um I was watching season four of Real Housewives of New York and they go to Morocco and they go to a fortune teller and the fortune teller, you know, says kind of like nice, whatever, whatever stuff to all the other ladies. But when she gets to Ramona, she says that there's another woman in your husband's life. And <gasps> I personally had completely forgotten about that. That was before the Mario stuff, right? Oh, way before we're talking. Oh, and I actually, my God. <laughs> I did a deep dive and I even like Googled it in terms of like, <laughs> I wanted to fit. I was like, wow. And I really, cause, because especially because of the way Ramona reacted to it versus the way the other ladies reacted to it. So like Jill Zarin 
and Luann were both kind of like, ooh, because they had heard from their sort of social circle, their like Upper East Side New York social circle, that he had been cheating on her. Um, and Ramona was like, nope, nope, absolutely not. No way. I'm sure she was talking about Avery, <laughs> their daughter, um, which is weird and a creepy response. Anyway, but yeah. uh, in, my, in my opinion, but um, anyway, so, you know, I, you know, I looked, I looked it up and it was only, I don't know, like two or three years in real time before he ultimately was exposed as having cheated on her. And then they got divorced, of course. So anyway, the point is there's like, an, a, there's a, a veritable mind uh, gold mine of old Housewives episodes that I'm considering recapping for you. So please do let me know if that is something that would interest you. And with that, I think we should just get started. Yeah, absolutely. Let's dive in, guys. All right. Okay. So today we are going to recap season six of 90 Day Fiance, episode one entitled The Clock is Ticking, and the original air date for this was October 21st, 2018, which was just last Sunday. Um, And let's get started. And in case anyone isn't aware of this, um, if you're you're watching it on the TLC Go app, you're frequently going to have access to it even earlier than they show it on TV. So I actually watch, usually watch it in the sort of preview um showing which is up to two weeks uh, in my experience um, before they show it on tv so just a little um pro tip yeah then you can be you can have you can have digested it before you listen to our digest exactly we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll regurgitate it you can digest it <laughs> exactly <laughs> so gross you're welcome <laughs> okay speaking of which let's start with our first couple Ashley and Jay and Ashley is a 31 year old single mom from Mechanicsburg Pennsylvania no no it's Mechanicsville okay get your get your small east coast hamlets down I thought it was a burg no it's definitely a ville although by the way everybody I'm from New Jersey born and raised of course proud um and there's a lot of these kinds of town names um on the east coast small town names that'll be sort of named after either a person who was relevant or like like this sort of a a, an occupation if you will a trade a trade (laughs) so these this town i guess was initially for mechanics although she apparently is a bartender right she is a bartender and her kids are young they seem she has two kids right yeah they look i don't know like three and six or some somewhere around that range yeah those are interesting ages yeah and then uh she meets jay when she was at a destination wedding in jamaica um she met him in a club and jay is 20 years old and he's from jamaica um and he's not like anybody she's ever met before not surprising um she is we go. We kind of look at a little bit of her life, a snapshot of her life, and she's taking self defense classes, and um, clearly, PD approves. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I have to. I have to note. Um, Lisa and I have a not so silent partner in this endeavor, or <laughs> if you want to call it another co-host, this would be my baby. So, as you may or may not already know about me. I am a stay-at-home mom of two kids. One of them is two and a half, and he goes to daycare. But the other one is a little baby. She's five months. 
Her name was Odette, but for reasons I don't need to get into right now, we call her Petey. Um, and she is currently awake, so you can kind of <laughs> enjoy hear her squealing. I think she's ultimately going to become a fan of 90 Day Fiance just by sheer exposure. Uh, okay. um, and this is kind of the start of her education in the series, if you will. So I hope you'll all put up with her background noise. And now she's starting to fuss. So anyway, if she like really starts losing it, you'll notice that that's kind of when we take a strategically timed break. So yes. apologies for the background noise. Um, so but soundtrack. we can get we can get back to <laughs> Ashley and Jay, hopefully. <laughs> Um, so she's taking self self defense, um, and it's super fun. It looks super fun. I want to take self defense. Yeah, um, but this is always one of those things where I'm like, okay, are, is she really into it, or is this sort of some kind of attempt at characterization, you know, on the part of the producers to be like, okay, she's an independent woman to sort of contrast her favored, you know, extracurricular activity to kind of her general attitude towards jay which we'll get into and sort of allows for him to cheat on her while he's in jamaica yeah and she talks about how she's been cheated on before and she's never made it to the altar she's basically um broken both of her two prior engagements and she typically yeah. goes for like you know the little you know crappy white boy according to her um but she doesn't take shit from guys so when they cheated on her she showed the door um 10 bucks as she does cause... and i guess we have no idea <laughs> i don't think we have any idea who her who the father of her kids are like if it was one of the guys she was engaged to or if it was like one from each or just yeah, a totally different know. guy i mean i don't think we have I, any i'm Did hoping she say? no she doesn't say but i, I think okay. that probably through this season we'll probably get a little bit more information as time goes on um but then we meet jay and she or we are introduced to jay by her um she said she met him in a bar in jamaica when she was there for that wedding and he found her they went their separate ways that night and he found her on social media and she says that not only is he extremely different from all of her past guys that she's dated um, but he's also extremely mature. Now, I'm not sure if she's referring to the social media images that were shown to <laughs> us, but none of them scream even remotely mature. So yeah, we I'm need not... to talk about this. Like, we need to also talk about, well, we need to discuss the actual age difference. So just taking aside, like, any oh, right. subjective, like, mater- maturity level that's specific to this individual he's 20 and she's 31 and you know I'm 31 just incidentally and you know as I was watching this and and especially because so I I guess I'm a millennial technically I don't really know what the age range is for that but I'm quite positive that technically I'm a millennial but I'm a millennial who got married I think I was 27 which is actually sad I don't I don't remember when I got married but um, (laughs) I think I was 27 and then I think I had a baby when I was 28 um, maybe, maybe 29, I think I was 28, my, my son, my older child, um, Mo. And, and at the time that I was doing all of this, it was interesting because most of the people around me were older, just, just by dint of like my personal social and family circle. So I have an older sister who got married at the same age as I did. 
but then almost everybody else that I knew was older and was just getting married when I did kind of a thing. So I would sort of look around at people who were five, six, even 10 years older than I was. Mm -hmm. And they'd all be in the same sort of stage of their life where they were just getting married. They were just having kids. Then they had small kids. And that's obviously where I am right now. Um, But as a result of having gotten married relatively young and had kids relatively young, at least again, for my social circle, I kind of felt like I got out of touch with um, basically, I would call it kind of millennial culture, or I don't even know, youth culture, is that the word? I'm not sure, like young adult culture. So certainly people who are over 21 and all that, um, not like kids, but you know, like kind of almost the, 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 the people that I should have been hanging out with. And then I wasn't, I had babies. <laughs> um, and I kind of, and I, and I almost sometimes feel like I really just have no idea what's going on out there with the kids, um, the ute, the utes, if you will. Yeah. Um, and Jay really struck that chord with me where I was like, huh, this guy is someone that I would think of as an actual child. Like he's so young. He's not even in sort of the my generation that again, I sort of like quasi missed out on in a way as far as pop culture goes, but he is so young that I wouldn't even consider him. I would not, I certainly would not consider him my contemporary. And I don't even know where he's coming from in other words. And I think it's also interesting because you see this a lot with these 90 day fiance couples where there is a large age gap. And especially when one of the parties um, has kids like in her situation True. I think of it you know my husband had a, a four-year-old when we met and started dating and he my husband is three years younger than I am and when we met I was 34 he was 31 and at 34 I had never been married I had been living this single life going out in San Francisco I lived by myself in San Francisco I had this kind of like free, independent, no responsibility lifestyle. And when I met him, he was in such a different stage of his life. You know, he was. Wait, so you're saying he was 31 and he was already divorced and had a four year old? Yeah, he got married very young as well. He got married at 25 and they got pregnant right away. And then, yeah, he had his son. And I feel like even then, me being older than he was stages of our life I was at 34 ready to kind of start settling down and finding somebody that I was going to spend my life with and everything and I had been looking you know I wanted to have kids and everything but even you know our lifestyles were so different you know when we were dating and he his son was at um, his ex's house you know because they shared custody you know he was like let's just you know make dinner and watch a movie and I'm like let's go out that's so fascinating two different interests you know and and for so long he has been a dad and in a relationship either with his ex or with me that for him he is such a homebody and I'm only I've only been married for five years so I'm still I still miss that like let's I'm gonna go out with my friends or I'm gonna go you know and go out and go dancing or go do something so I mean it works for us because I was ready to get married and now we have our own two additional children and everything but it's it's just a really um when I see her with her two kids and she's working because she's got to support her kids and she's a single mom your your perspective is so different it just surprises me that somebody like Jay who clearly has zero responsibilities or zero 
thoughts about that. I can't imagine bringing him into the family and thinking this is the kind of dad or stepdad I want in my kid's life. Like he's so off the, the radar on that. You know, it's funny though, because you go in the direction that obviously is completely reasonable of like, okay, she's going to bring him into her life. And he's going to have to be involved with the kids. But actually what, where my mind went to when you initially sort of drew the comparison back to her um, from yourself and from like, was actually a super interesting story that I had never heard from you about you and your husband um, and the sort of different places you were in, in your lives. It's like for them, it's that times 20. Right. And it's like kind of what you went through times 20. But then again, I went sort of in the other direction of like, maybe she is sort of having something satisfied in her um, that she's missing in terms yeah. of like getting to go out and have fun. And this is something you and I have discussed before about this show that so many times, the, if not if not almost every time when these people meet for the first time in real life, they are in vacation mode. Yeah. And so, you know, she meets this guy, obviously completely 100% in vacation mode. I mean, who knows whether her kids were at that wedding with her or not, um, mm-hmm. but conceivably they weren't. And she was, for the maybe for the first time in a long time maybe for the first time ever and I'm just you know I'm just surmising here mm-hmm. but you know responsibility free and essentially living like a 20 year old and right. so it could be that he is providing this kind of fantasy for her that she's lacking in her everyday you know and I would I'm a mother of small children I absolutely love it <laughs> there's a lot of stress and drudgery in And it's very draining in terms of your physical energy and your emotional and mental energy. Mm -hmm. So it could be the opposite that she's not so much thinking ahead to, okay, ultimately we're not going to be vacation mode. He's going to need to be a dad and an effective one at that, like an effective co-parent and partner, but Mm -hmm. rather, oh, this guy's bringing me back to like my, the fun, like pre-kid days. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just go if I were her yeah it's just a crazy I don't know anyway I think he's very young and very immature I mean it's not just the age it's the maturity I don't know where she pulls this extremely mature piece out of because I just don't see it um well and it remains to be seen you know I mean every once in a while these couples surprise me and the one that I think is going to be more stable ends up actually that's true that's true although I rarely see it going the other way but it might it might i i i you never know you just never know you never know although i agree with you about his like post and then the thing that struck me and was mildly horrifying was when he gave her like the magic <laughs> mic treatment and i think he did yeah, it more than once was fun. <laughs> which like maybe you break that out once but twice he must be like very confident in his you know male stripper style oh. um I don't even know what you call Clearly, it. I mean, that is what he was he doing, right? He was like confident. pretending. That is something I can say about True. Jay. Okay, so I am actually going to have to take a break because Petey is um, <laughs> protesting. Speaking, speaking yes. of obligations related to small children. So let's take a break okay. and we'll come back. And I think we're just finishing up Ashley and Jay. Yes, although we haven't talked about her voice of reason confrontation yet. And guys, this is sort of That's a, right. <laughs> this is sort of a trope that I have noticed over my years, yes, years now of watching 90 Day Fiance and its other iterations that basically TLC wants to further highlight as if it was even necessary, further highlight like the wildly ridiculous 
and unlikely nature of these relationships by having this clearly staged confrontation um i think at multiple points actually in the process sort of the yeah. one process and like you see it before the 90 days which means they haven't even met the person a lot of time right. and you see it here um where they're already engaged or whatever where you have a family member or a friend or sometimes Both. it seems like it might just be a random person from production i don't know um, <laughs> like trying to talk to them and say hey yeah you sure about this yeah (laughs) and that's kind of what her friend Natalie does she has a confrontation with her and I think that what really comes from the Natalie confrontation is that Natalie not only I think at this point believes that Jay is a serial cheater you know generally and then specifically in his relationship with um, Ashley but I think she there's some awkwardness here because she actually accused him of cheating on Natalie in some like specific respect. And so it's clear to all parties that Natalie sort of deeply disapproves of the relationship. Yeah. She said she was listening and he mentioned something to somebody and she was over overhearing the conversation where he said that he was sleeping with these two women. And so she, Natalie is like, you know, I'm telling her I'm really concerned about you because I'm the one who has to basically pick up the pieces when all of these guys end up cheating on you and you break up with them and your heart's broken. So I just want you to, you know, you don't have to do this because right. Cause Ashley's on her way to Jamaica because it's Jay's final interview for the K one visa. Cause they're already engaged. And the last step of the pro the K one process is getting as this interview that they're going to do with Jay in Jamaica. So she's going to fly out there. And beforehand, she has this kind of voice of reason conversation with Natalie. And, you know, it's funny um, because Ashley's basically telling her friend, you know, I don't, what happens in Jamaica stays in Jamaica. Yeah, I, that was insane. I mean, she's basically saying, you know, Natalie's like, well, what if he's cheating on you right now while he's in Jamaica and you're here? She's like, I don't care. Jesus can come down from heaven and tell her that he's cheating and she would not do anything about it. Which is odd. I mean, I, you know, I try to empathize with people generally, especially when I really don't understand them. And I try to put myself on their shoes. And I just really didn't get this one. I don't understand. Maybe Lisa, you can shed some light on this. I, you know, my, my druthers, my initial druthers are that she just has really maybe has low self-esteem maybe, um, and so she's like willing to accept this behavior I but mean, I just don't understand it I don't understand the logic of like oh it's okay to cheat when we're long distance but not when we're physically together I just don't understand it it's as if she thinks he's so in- either so incapable I mean I guess it's that she thinks he's just incapable of of going without sex for a long period of time is that like the underlying logic here I guess so I mean well logic is a stretch but I think that (laughs) um clearly she has low self-esteem and I think she tries to be this tough like if he's cheating on me you know whatever but you know her I I think what it is is just that that you know because she says how can I expect him to be a hundred percent behaved when he's in Jamaica by himself and you know I'm here and I mean my response to that is because you can expect it because he's your fiance. Like, well, if they have a monogamous relationship, so I guess that's where my mind but goes. But she like, says that it, she says yeah, that. She's like, I'm not saying weird. we have an open relationship or anything like that. Well, it kind of sounds like you do. 
if you're saying yeah, you don't care. Like, let's let's track this thing down to its logical conclusion, right? And again, I, I am relying on logic here, and my apologies for that. But, um, you know, let, let's assume for the sake of argument that she, like, generally thinks it's okay for him to cheat when they're not physically together. Does that mean that if and when he ultimately you know, or she ultimately, let's say, travels on business or like goes away for some even short period of time, you know, later in the course of their marriage, is is there going to be some kind of rule in place that he's allowed to cheat on her? And if so, I mean, why? I almost like, why does she feel like she needs to compromise on this, you know, and she dumped her old boyfriends that cheated on her. Well, and she said when he comes to the United States, if he when he's in the US, if he cheats on her, he's gone. Like, mm-hmm. she's made that clear distinction. A part of this, I think, is just to get Natalie off her back. Like, oh, yeah, you're it. right. She gets you're it. right. That she's makes like, sense. I get it, Natalie. You don't like him. You think he's a cheater. I get it. I've heard it. But guess what? I'm still going to Jamaica. I'm still going to be there for him when he gets his visa interview. And this is happening. So just back off. I think that's, that's interesting because you're used to like, especially with something like cheating, you're supposed to, you're used to the defense being like, deny, deny, deny. And right. here she's like, admit, admit, admit. Like, yeah, sure. He's cheating. What of it? Well, but she also, <laughs> that's a new approach. That, she also tells us that, you know, she's heard from lots of stories about, you know, guys knocking the panties off of women. Okay, which... It's not knocking panties. It's dropping panties. And who, okay? I'm sorry, but I don't hear that often. No, me neither. I guess I, I can't expand on my, but she on says, my very definitive understanding of that colloquialism. <laughs> but she does say that's not Jay. And I would argue that that's kind of exactly Jay. Well, we have to wait and see. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, all snaps, <laughs> Snapchats, videos, and pictures suggest otherwise. <laughs> As someone who still does not understand what Snapchat is, I have to at least suspend judgment in that one area. Well, I have Snapchat just so that my daughter, my seven-year-old can take pictures of herself with different... Um, like puppy ears. Yeah, with different, different Oh, okay. Well, images. that makes sense that a seven-year-old knows more about things than I That's do. That's all we I do. We that. don't, we don't send that. it to anybody. I have no friends on Snapchat, but it's just merely for her own vanity and uh, entertainment. Yeah, I think that's the general idea. Yeah. Um, well, that's and if- for basically for every social media, it's all about vanity and... He does seem vain. I will give you that. Oh, for sure. Um, just sort of the way he is presenting himself. Um, he seems kind of cocky and, you know, which I think is probably part of the attraction for um, what's her name? What's right. Her name? Ashley. Ashley. Yeah. And it's part of the immaturity, which is why I'm like, I don't understand how he's extremely mature. He's extremely cocky. And then ultimately, by the way, and we shouldn't do this now, but we need to do kind of a comparison contrast with um, LeVar, who what is a previous 90 day fiance oh, guy Devar, from Jamaica. Devar. 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 Oh, did I not Mel. say that? Yeah. Devar. Devar yeah. And Mel. So we'll talk about them. I think that there's some good parallels to draw there, but before I mean, we don't need to do that now. And actually, if you're ready, we can go to Colt and Larissa. Oh God, Colt. So I'm just going to say right now, I'm not a fan of Colt. Yeah. I have to say that I'm, I'm turned off by him. Well, in more ways than one. Um, so Colt <laughs> is 33. He lives in Las Vegas, Nevada with not only his mother, Debbie, but with his three cats, Baby yeah, Girl, three. Cookie Dough, and Sugar. Yeah. He's a software engineer. Yeah, he's like Paul 2.0, like with more cats. Yeah. Like Paul from Paul and Carini. But he's so, I mean, when he talks about his mom, I feel like the psycho music should just be in the background at all times. 
Yes, I got I got that vibe as well, especially when he said he was quote a bit of a mommy's boy. Mommy. Yeah, I know. There's there's just so much there. There, I mean, with the man boobs and um and his mom is basically his bitch. Like she cooks for him, she cleans for him, she drives him to and from work. Yeah, um, I mean, he did say by like in lieu of explanation for this like arguably codependent looking relationship that his father passed away 10 years ago. So RIP on that. Um, and that the, I, I, it sounded to me like he essentially moved in with his mom soon thereafter, or maybe had never left or whatever, but he, he I think he was sort of explaining, knowing that it needed some explanation. Right. I but he I was mean, explaining it. And I get that. And I totally understand like, you know, when people lose a parent, the other parent may move in with the child or the child's family or whatever. I get that. That I totally understand. This, that seems like an empty explanation because I feel like he basically has free help. Well, that's true. She's clearly taking care of him. I mean, she's cooking for him. She's cleaning for him. I think my favorite scene so far with him was when they were sitting at breakfast and she had cooked for him. And I think you pointed this out to me earlier that she even had this like cover over the food to make a plate of food so to maintain warm. warmth. <laughs> yeah. Cause he like wasn't there right away. And then they're sitting there, they're enjoying their food. And the, the, the main topic of discussion was how, whether, um, and why they should build what sounded to me like a cat high chair <laughs> for baby girl. For baby girl which I guess that's sort of his hobby I mean I don't think he's into carpentry normally but apparently he's sort of a tinkerer yeah um, he plays with electronics and Video I mean games. he's a loner I think we can call him a loner yeah because he says he doesn't really have friends he hangs out with his cats and then you see him yeah. and his cat sharing a cracker yeah like mouth to mouth right oh god that's so yeah weird. like what is it called lady and the tramp I mean it does seem like he has an unusual amount of emotional bandwidth to give his cats um, you know, I think generally we think of pets as being sort of more secondary. Now that's me. And I have to say that pet culture, at least, you know, we live in the Bay Area and here certainly, and then probably in other parts of the country, pet culture has become pretty, I don't know what the word is, anthropomorphized maybe. I mean, I people like literally think of their pets as people. And right. I think he kind of falls into that category. But it's almost like too, an un, I mean, well, it's almost, it's like unhealthy, well, if he doesn't have any actual friends and his only friends are his cats, yeah. then yeah, I agree. That's, that's a little bit, it leaves a little to be desired in terms of his social life. And then the fact that he says he always gets dumped, you know, he even says he struck out completely online dating until he went international. And, you know, and that's fair enough because I know so many women and I have a lot of single girlfriends and I'm always telling them date online because I met my husband online. You met your husband online. Mm -hmm. Frankly, frankly, almost everybody I know met their spouses online. Both of my brother, my, excuse me, that's weird. Both of my husband's siblings, um, little Freudian slip there. Both of my husband's siblings met their spouses online, Mm -hmm. you know, our close family friends, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, it's very prevalent here. It's very prevalent. And especially again in the Bay area, this is like a tech area um and i'm always telling girls that i know who are single to online date but then then i have to kind of deal with the aftermath of that if they do take my advice and the fact that it can go so awry and it can be so because you could get matched with <laughs> <laughs> they might 
might match up with Colt, and then you're like screwed. They're like, uh, I met this guy, and he lives with his mom and his three cats. You know, and he couldn't find anyone in like all of Las Vegas to date him. <laughs> and that is a low bar. I'm sorry. I apologize to all of you people from Las Vegas, but given the people that live there, or I mean, it's it's also very transient, right? And not not like in a bad way, but like there are very few people that are like from like the heart of Las Vegas. You know, well, you know there's a lot of people from Nevada that. or like the outskirts, but like from Vegas itself. Well, and, and you know what? That just shows my ignorance because I'm thinking primarily of like the strip, you know, but I know no, that exactly, it's, it, but it's definitely like grown in population in the last like 10 years. I mean, there are neighborhoods that didn't exist before. It was just a lot of desert. And now it's become more, um, uh, built populated. Up, populated and built, people are moving there. So but this is a this is a TLC tie-in, by the way, because I don't know if you watched Sister Wives. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good. Of course. I mean, you and I are just you know two peas in a podcast, as always. Cody um, and the Man Bun. Oh, yeah, please. and they moved to Vegas, right? And and I think for them it was more of like a libertarian thing, where I don't. I guess maybe Nevada is a more states rights state or it's 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 just more open to different lifestyles yeah okay there you go oh yeah like for example i think that i think prostitution is legal in parts of nevada i don't think it's legal in vegas but anyway i I digress so anyway yeah you have them living in vegas and this guy just i just could not get a date and so he goes online internationally out there and say i don't think he's had prior relationships I think well, he said he got dumped, which means there has to have been something to dump him from. Right? Well, I think he connected with people online and they were like, uh, no. And that's his version of being dumped, I guess. Which is incredibly sad. But I have to say that that ultimately, so he meets, let's, he, we can get into it. He meets yeah. this woman, Larissa. She's 31. So he's 33. She's 31. So there's basically no age difference there. Yeah. That's actually a smaller age difference than between me and my husband and between you and your husband. So yeah. there's like, we can go ahead and say there's no age difference. Yeah. She's from Brazil. She's he beautiful. Says he wrote her, she's, she's absolutely drop dead crazy gorgeous. He says he wrote her and was surprised she wrote back. Yes. Yeah, so are we. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a sad statement. <laughs> and they ended up meeting in Cancun. He's completely gaga for her, as as he should be. And she's very beautiful. And as um, he said, she seemed cool with the idea of living with my mother. So I proposed. <laughs> yeah, he said, well, first of all, he proposed after five days together. Again, total vacation mode. And this is mm-hmm. such a trope. And it's so irritating to me because it just sets up kind of a false start for the relationship. But anyway... He ultimately concludes that she likes geeks. And she's wanting to be a little adventurous. But what does that mean? Like, what's I mean, adventurous? Just like, like meeting moving somebody moving. in U.S. or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she, but and, the, thing, go ahead. The, thing, the thing that ends up bothering me and, and, and the, the sort of tie into the fact that he hadn't had much luck, you can certainly say, in the States, is that Something that something that ultimately bothers me about him is when they when he talks to her or when he talks about her and she says or, de- or does something that he thinks is unreasonable, you know, he criticizes her, I think, in a in a more in like essentially a reasonable way. But he always does it with this like air of of um, superiority, like he, he, he behaves in a way that's very, very superior to her. And I think it's kind of crazy because it's like this is a guy who you know, basically says he couldn't get a date here in the U.S. or he couldn't get a girlfriend or whatever. And he has this, like, insanely beautiful woman who's not only interested in being with him, but is 
going to marry him and move here to be with him. And he acts like she's, you know, not good enough, which well, is because really kind of crazy. It, but it makes sense because he, he, his sort of perspective is I can't find women because obviously I'm just too smart. And Ooh. I am the geek, right? I am a software engineer. I'm really smart. I'm very logical. I'm very reasonable. And I met this girl, Larissa, who is gorgeous and beautiful. So what he brings to the ta- to the relationship is that he's really smart and he's very okay. reasonable and practical. That what makes she sense. brings to the relationship good... is she's a trophy wife or a trophy. He thinks he thinks he's going to be like providing for her and sort of. I guess giving enough to the re- to the relationship that he has certain expectations of something in return, essentially, like yeah, it's she's sort of transactional. Br- yeah, he's the brains; she's the look. You it's know, like she's Beauty, the Beauty and the Geek. Oh my god, you remember that show? Beauty oh and the my Geek? gosh, I totally I love that show. <laughs> but that's it was it so good. And I feel like a sense, a lot of times when you see these couples, it, it's kind that's kind of the dynamic too. It, more of them are with um like huge age gaps, you know, when there's a large age gap and there's the American guy who's like, or girl who's significantly older than the other person. The person who's like older and tend to be American tend to think that they're, they're bringing the brain, they're bringing the stability, they're bringing the money and the other person's just being pretty. Um, Yeah. Maybe we can draw like a general, make a general statement that like, the Americans in a lot of these 90 day couples like do have some kind of sense of superiority and that it it's it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy you know like they end up with this person from abroad who believes also that America in general is sort of superior in some way and they yeah. have this like unrealistic view of the United States being kind of the promised land and then it actually ends up soaking into the relationship itself where the American is acting like they're, you know, they're better than the person from abroad, essentially. Like, yeah. Maybe we could say that. I don't know. I mean, the, to, more, like, think about that. the most obvious example of this would be, I don't remember the couple and I don't remember the season. I, I remember the couple. I just don't remember their names. The woman who was very blatant about being interested in his money Oh, a George and Alfisa? Yes. George and Alfisa was very clear. I want you for your money and I'm going to be in America now and I'm going to have this lifestyle. And he was just like, wait, so if I lose my money, you're not going to want me? And she's like, hi, I'm not an idiot. You're with me because I have nice boobs and a good body and I'm pretty. What if I wasn't pretty? And what if I didn't have a good body? Would you still be interested? Like, would this cult guy be as into Larissa and propose to her after five days if she didn't look like a supermodel or didn't look gorgeous or was overweight or, you know what I mean? Or it's, Well, she is, as my dad likes to say, the last chopper out of Saigon in some ways. <laughs> like, she's the only person that he has gotten any traction with it seems ever almost right and what we will learn about her is that there is something about her that i mean she this is not a love match from her perspective i don't believe in my humble opinion i don't think she's in love with colt well she's definitely not in love with his bangs no so when so she's already been approved for the k-1 visa they're already on their way He's waiting for her to physically receive it so that she can fly to the United States. And he has bought her a flight and he's calling her to see if she's received her visa so she can use the flight. 
and you know hi doc he she says hi baby love you and he does his i love you too darling yeah he's from the south i don't get it i don't think people in vegas have that accent he's just dorky um so she's like he tells her she looks beautiful in a very monotone and unemotional way yeah he's very bloodless yeah it's very like uh you look very beautiful today and she says you too you're handsome but be careful with your bangs and this is like what does that even mean like does she want him to have a comb over i don't get it i think this is where we get a little sneak peek that larissa's agreed to marry him and she wants to come to the united states but she feels like now she's going to try and work on him a little bit and make him a little bit more of a suitable partner. <laughs> you know, we all do that, though, don't we? I mean, I, you to know. some degree, but I feel like, you know, it's, yeah, there's there's more there there. And, you know, he is telling her that he thinks it's reasonable and logical to, because she, she tells him she has not received the visa physically. It has not arrived yet. Right. And so she's going to miss her flight. So he's saying, why don't we just, I'm just going to buy you a flight in two weeks. It's just two week delay, not a lot of time, not a big deal. That way I don't have to get you a ticket tomorrow. And then if you don't get it tomorrow, have to get you another ticket the next day because it's expensive. And her attitude and response is, but you're American. So you can make this happen. Yeah, it's <laughs> weird. It's like, she thinks it's like the land of Oz or something and he's the the wizard it's like she it's like she doesn't understand that there are any limitations on him at all you know just because he lives in the united States. i mean that that was the impression that i got and she's gonna have a very rude awakening oh for sure and you know it's just she's very frustrated and annoyed because she expects that you know i thought i love you and i thought you loved me too and wanted to see me and his kind of response to that is i do love you and i of course i want to see you but two weeks is is very minor in the grand scheme of things and it's expensive to buy tickets all the time yeah he basically mocks her too which i I found that's true that's true um and then he acknowledges their sort of difference in temperament and you mentioned this earlier and he says that it could quote cause problems going forward (laughs) it's like okay i see what you captain obvious i mean they have kind of like a lucy ricky thing going um (laughs) except that he's so humorless you know so yeah, i tell you they're the poor man's russ and paula that's right you did say that and i yeah. completely completely agree yeah they are definitely yeah so are we finished with them for now we are finished with um this mix of psycho and i love lucy yes okay well <laughs> now we get to uh oh my god speaking of an obvious couple where one is looking for money and the other is looking for looks we come no to John- i don't agree with that at all just to, just as a starting off point okay before. jonathan and fernanda jonathan is 32 years old he's a real estate bro yeah he is also a gym rat and he's from lumberton north carolina and fernanda is 19 and from mexico this is like like the ashley um this is like the ashley j situation except that I think Jonathan's actually more immature than Fernanda. That's, oh, I completely agree with you. And it's so funny because his whole storyline is that he thinks he's stealing her youth and that she's not going to have the opportunity to like sow her wild oats. But it's like, dude, you sold enough wild oats for the both of you. you and know, she's she was not never going to do that. that. She's no, not because she's, that. I mean, she, it sounds to me that she, I mean, I think she has an un, maybe an immature view of what 
kind of a long-term committed relationship like a marriage is, but I do think she's sincere. I don't agree with you at all that she's in it for the money. I really No, don't. and that's true. That's true. I was that I misspoke because you're right. She's not in it for the money. She's I think she really did fall for this guy and yes. has stars in her eyes about, you know, him kind of taking her away and making her life better and and she like I mean she clearly loves him. Um he met her on vacation when he went with his friends and he met her. And as you said, there's nothing about her body that he doesn't like. Yeah. He really objectifies her. And I yeah. took, I really took offense to that. I mean, I, my, my recollection is that he only talked about her body yeah, when he, he her kind of initially introduced her. And he likes her, you know, f- pretty face and her butt. He really likes her butt. Um, and he's there. They've, they're getting married they're engaged um and he they have been approved their k-1 visa has been approved so he's actually going to mexico to pick her up and bring her back to north carolina which is clearly just a vacation for him i mean did you notice when he said he said the funniest thing he said i work 12 to 14 hours a day but i always make time to go out with my friends yeah (laughs) and he sounded like the dos equis guy (laughs) the most interesting man in the world (laughs) yes absolutely and he so of course he meets her in mexico i mean i'm sure he i mean he he, maybe he goes frequently you know who knows it's sort of a a party spot it's like a spring break spot um although i don't know if it's not where she lives though she lives inland she's from an uh, inland i think she's from a small town and that she was visiting puerto vallarta when they met oh yeah like, I, sure. I don't think she's from there and he has been providing for her um yeah. he's paid for college he sends her money every two weeks um he bought her a jeep wrangler that's waiting for her in his garage right. um he's paid he paid for her apartment there he, says he sends money every two weeks which honestly to me almost sounds like a you know, like an allowance or like she's yeah. sort of a, like being kept a little bit. And let's not forget the most important thing. He bought yeah. her boobs. Yeah. And she's recovering. So she's not letting him see. She's not sending him any nude pics. Yeah. So that he's was, annoyed. That was tough to take. And then he does know that his biggest fear is that her, um, her, essentially her breasts will be lopsided in the end. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's a common problem with plastic surgery. And I actually thought that people got breast augmentation to fix that but it's like the only thing he is thinking about in life is what the sort of finished product will be of this yeah of this boob job which is you know like i said it's just objectification 101 he's a boob guy <laughs> i guess he's a boob guy, <laughs> <laughs> he's a boob guy. uh okay so that's all for them that i have yeah, same, same. Um, and then we come to my favorite couple so far. yeah they're my favorite too Kalani is 29 from Southern California. I think she's from like Santa Margarita, like Orange County area. Like Orange County, yeah. And Asuelo, who is 23 and he's from Samoa. And she is a single mother. She has a baby, Oliver, who's five months and coincidentally is Asuelo's son as well. Um, she's really beautiful. I think she's, she's gorgeous. I think she's gorgeous. Later, we're going to meet Lini, her sister, who's also gorgeous. I mean, yes, they're beautiful, beautiful people. Yes. And she's also Mormon, which she tells us that, you know, in the Mormon culture, you save yourself for marriage. So she went to Samoa on a family vacation 
And Azuela worked at the resort where she was staying and he semi-stalked her, like would keep an eye on her when she was around and they kind of like started hanging out and she came back on a trip to Samoa to see him. Um, And at that point they decided they were in love and she went ahead and did the deed and got pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. Which of course, I mean, and I think that, the background here is that her dad, you know, who again is from Samoa. And I think he came to the States when he was like 12. And then I, it, it sounds to me like he had to work very hard and he had sort of a, a hard go of it um, to kind of make it here in the United States and that his wish for her. And, and I believe she said this was that he wanted her to marry a rich white guy. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that his, you know, and it's interesting because I sort of feel like, um, I've had this experience like with my um, Mexican side of my family. I remember like hearing or, you know, not from my mother or anything like directly, but like my grandmother making comments about how, oh, don't marry a Mexican guy. And I think from her, you know, she grew up, she, my grandfather was Mexican and they grew up working in the fields. They're migrant workers and they, you know, moved here from Texas with their six kids and their small car. Um, There was, there was a lot of struggle and there was a lot of, I mean, even in their home, I mean, they had this three bedroom home with six kids. Um, So there was a lot of struggle. And I think she saw that, you know, white guys have a lot more opportunities and can provide better for her children her grandchildren whatever you know and my mom happened to marry my dad who happens to be white she didn't marry him because he's white (laughs) um and but I think that was kind of so I I kind of understand where the dad is coming from like I don't know I don't necessarily agree with it I don't necessarily think he's he's right and she screwed up or anything like that. But I, I can kind of understand that mentality that, you know, when you come from like Samoa is an Island, you know, when you live like at, in a fishing village or when you live very simply and, and, the, and life is very slow there. And yeah. And the dad says that he says yeah. life here is fast and life there is slow. And I think he's concerned about Asuelo who's from a fishing village, I think about yeah. his ability to, you assimilate. know, come to the United States and assimilate. Exactly. Like he, Asuelo apparently wants to live here because he knows that there are a lot of opportunities here, which I think anyone can agree with on kind of a general level. But I think the dad is thinking, okay, yeah, it's an opportunity to come and basically work your ass off. And are you going to be man enough to do that? Are you going to give my daughter this like difficult life that's just falls so far short of what I wanted for her kind of thing? So so he didn't want that. And he also like, what is he going to do when he gets here? Well, then you know? there's that. I mean, we don't what know whether he's skills? educated or, or what his experience is, et cetera. So if he's really just starting from the ground up, then that's not uh, that's not an easy story. No. And, I, and, you know, I get it. So he's just concerned for his daughter and his grandson. I mean, obviously, they love he loves his grandson and everything. And I think I, I think that um, parents and I, I am a parent, but I'm not there yet because my kids are still small. But. You know, I think parents on in general tend to have an idea of what they want for their children. You know, yeah, they don't want their children to struggle. They don't want them to do this, you know, or they want them to find this, this kind of partner or whatever. And having those kind of expectations only sets you up for disappointment. Well, and this is the perfect <laughs> storm because yeah. not it's not the normal story. I mean, first of all, 
you have the fact that this this dad, you know, really just did not want to have a repetition for his kids of what he experienced. Okay, so you have that. And now, of course, she's done exactly that. But then beyond that, she was, you know, a Mormon and she was a virgin. Mm-hmm. Or she went and slept with this guy out of wedlock and had a child out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, you know, it sounds to me like given the Mormon background and the fact that he's just her dad, um, he is just tr- like horrified by that. And he's angry with Asuelu. And I mean, he's, I think he says at one point he doesn't even know his name. Like he sort of won't speak his name because he's so angry with him. And and honestly, he's scary too. Like he he says, I speak louder with my hands than I do with my words, <laughs> which sounded to me like Leanne Lockin, remember, from that scene in Real Housewives of Dallas. Um, I'm sure, by the way, everyone, yeah. of course, I watched all the Bravo shows as well, and so does Lisa. And um, I'm going to have to interrupt that. for just a second. Oh, sure. Because I have to take a pause. Absolutely. We'll take a break. Okay. I'm sorry about that, guys. I uh, had a little bit of uh, technical difficulty um but it's all taken care of so we're back and we're just finishing up with kalani and azuelo and yeah i think we are done with them are we done okay i'm just looking at my notes i don't think i have anything else yeah i don't have anything else um all right so then we meet eric eric is 40 he is very recently divorced yeah, this was interesting. Like, they've been married for 20 years, and they got divorced in 2016, which, I mean, I don't know when they filmed this show, but it's only 2018 now, so it just can't, it cannot have been very long ago. And he's also, by the way, from a small town in Wisconsin called um, Baraboo. Bar- <laughs> Bar- oh, yeah, Baraboo. I bought Bar- something Wisconsin. <laughs> he is a former Marine. He is an avionics technician supervisor. Um, he's very America. Yeah. Um, he has three daughters, 11, 19, 21. And, and I, and I kind of liked his candid nature. Like he's like, ah, you know, I'm not the best dad, but I do the best I can, which is kind of how we all are. I mean, I'm not the best mom, but I do what I, the best I can. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I feel like, mo- I feel like dads can get away with saying something like that more easily than moms can anyway so i appreciate his candor as well but but it's not as impressive coming from a guy well then i will say it and it'll be impressive coming from me (laughs) (laughs) and then and then and then speaking of candor he informs us right from the jump that his two choices he figured after his divorce were either to volunteer to go to syria and fight isis or online dating. <laughs> yeah, thank God Lita <laughs> responded to him. Otherwise, he yeah. would be overseas leaving his poor children, including his 11-year-old, fighting ISIS. And, I mean, just from his, like, cursory description of the personal ad he posted, I mean, it sounded wildly depressing to me. So yeah. I'm a little surprised that she he's responded. Almost like a, he's like a caricature of, like, the male version of a Debbie Downer. Yeah, he's kind of a stereotype, I think, yeah. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, and but she's I mean, she's someone late Leda is someone that I think is sort of um I think she's interesting. I mean, she's from Jakarta, Indonesia. We have not, I don't think, had an Indonesian um person yet on the show. She says she's a med school grad, which is interesting because it doesn't sound like she's a doctor. Um, no, she went to medical then, school. She's a model. She's an and actress. like a beauty queen. Yeah, she's a runner-up Miss in Indonesia. Um, she also and is, she's beautiful. She's, she's beautiful. Very beautiful. She has 
uh, an ex and she has a five-year-old son, Alessandro. Right. right. Um, by all accounts, she seems better situated in many ways than Eric. So right. the big question with Eric and Lita are, uh, what's, what's in it for her? Right. Like she, they kind of pan when we're meeting her, they kind of pan to her home, like her family's home. And it's, I mean, I would venture to say it's basically a mansion. I mean, it's, it just, it looks huge. It's got what looks like very fancy, expensive, like fixtures and furniture. And, you know, they pan over to the staff, like Uh there's cooks and maids and drivers and, I mean, that is a very, very, very high standard of living. She says that she's from a wealthy family. Um, so I just cannot imagine. And and even Eric, Eric says it too. He's like, this is going to be a huge kind of, I mean, he says it's like a step down essentially. I mean, it sounds like socioeconomically, at least proportionally, you know, I'm not talking like dollar to dollar. Right. Because I have no idea how much any of that would cost in Indonesia, but I know how much that would cost here. And I'm pretty sure Eric does not have that kind of money or else he would have, you know, more luxuries, it seems. And I think we find out in a later episode that he lives in a two bedroom apartment or no yeah. later in this episode, excuse me, that he yeah. lives in a two bedroom apartment. I mean, that's just not par with what she's used to. And or especially given that she has a son. Exactly. Yeah. Her son is used to being, I'm assuming well, I don't know. It's a huge assumption to say he's the only grandchild, but um, it sounds like he's very well taken care of and right. he's used to a certain standard of living in his short five years, which, you know, yeah, you adapt when you're a kid to different situations, but it just seems like a lot to uproot yourself and your child and move to Baraboo, Wisconsin. Well, it's culture shock and it's sort of a socioeconomic drop um and that's a pretty bad combination to say nothing of the fact that um you get no you at least at this point we have no understanding of any aspect of their relationship he doesn't say why you know i don't think i don't remember no they went on detail no they just said they took a trip to meet in person and after two days he proposed and they've already been approved for the k-1 visa so now it's just a matter of her coming to the united states so it's just hard to understand. Honestly, it's it's obviously hard to understand what she is, sees in him personally. I mean, I understand maybe she wants to come to the United States. So maybe that is a consideration as it frequently appears to be on the show. But honestly, I, I don't even really understand what he sees in her in a way. I just don't see the connection. I think the that's connection. What that's what I'm saying. We're missing, like, even when they talk to each other, there's no, like, real connection you don't see anything i mean i i don't know i usually usually you see them being like very lovey-dovey and you know maybe it seems sort of ill-conceived and again like they fell in love in vacation mode and all those things but at least a lot of these couples seem like they are at least they think they're in love but here i don't see anything at all like i don't see any affection yeah it's very strange and that could just be his personality too yeah or and or her personality and, and or we just haven't seen enough of it but just from the jump like i'm i'm just not seeing it so. yeah um, yeah, I don't feel like their relationship is long lasting. At yeah, this we'll point. see. We'll see. I mean, you know, but also, by the way, I'm thinking about this now and I don't, we have to like maybe keep a tally of how many of these relationships actually end sort of on screen. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have, for example, Nicole and Azin, who we've been following this 
relationship at this point, I mean, for those of you who've been watching, I mean, for multiple seasons, and they're, I think they're still together. So even though we could have said exactly the same thing about them, and yeah. it seems so unlikely to succeed, a lot of these couples stay together. And then a lot of the ones that you think, some of the ones you think would stay together don't. Like I read recently, do you remember the one where it was the guy was like the Latino pop star? Oh, he was from yeah, South- yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. if he was from Mexico. No, no, or- I remember. And the girl, and I, she was and the very, girl was like, from like Chicago or Bohemian. something. Bohemian. Kinda- yes, and but she was also Midwestern. Yes, yes, and yes. He, his name was like Yael or yeah, something like that. And they broke up. They got divorced. Like after after they had sort of completely finished their stint on the show, and they had seemed very stable, and like they had sort of had a good foundation. And so we can't forget, and you obviously as a family law attorney, you know that even relationships that you really think seem are at least based on some kind of reasonable foundation can end. No, it's true. And you know, another thing about that is, um, and we saw this with, you know, and sorry to reference prior seasons, but you know, we have, there was like the prime example of somebody using an American to get a visa was Danielle and Muhammad. And right. Mohammed was from Tunisia and like 23 or something. And she's like 43 or 44. And he clearly came to get a visa. He got his visa and then he bailed on her. And he That was so sad. It was very sad. And he used the fact that she had financial problems as the reason why and that she somehow frauded him and lied to him when he really didn't want to have anything to do with her. Like he wouldn't even kiss her on their wedding day because he said it was against his religion on that particular day that he could I think he said it was, I think it was supposed to be a Ramadan thing. Yeah. It was just very strange. Like the whole thing was so blatantly obvious to an outside person looking in. Um, And she still to this day is like, I mean, if he really loved me, why did he treat me like that? Uh, Cause he didn't, but I digress. Anyway, what I was going to say so we'll is see. she's been trying to get an annulment from him to get him deported because a way in which after these marriages come together, if you can get it annulled, then the person who came to this country will get deported. Right. Um, but she found out that she, it's very difficult to get an annulment. And I don't know. Well, and I don't even know if they always get deported either. I don't know what any of those rules are, frankly. I remember this storyline of hers, of her believing, oh, if I can prove, I think she tried to prove fraud on his part. She did. I think she did try to prove fraud. And But I do think that if they get an annulment and he's not married, that means the marriage never took place within those 90 days. So whatever the law is, um, and I will, disclaimer, I'm not an immigration attorney and I have not uh, look this up specifically. Yeah, we have no clue what we're talking we're, about. We don't know what we're talking about here, but I'm a, my assumption, and my this is my opinion assumption, not my legal assumption, but my opinion, it would be that he, if he's not, if you're not married within those 90 days, you go back to your home country. And right. he fought this, and he actually was able to get a divorce from her as opposed to an annulment. And so when you divorce somebody that you came on an, on a K-1 visa to marry, divorce is different because a marriage did take place and then it just didn't work out. So that was, that's what he was really fighting for to get a divorce rather than an annulment so that he wouldn't have to worry about the immigration issues because he just got divorced. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because people often think, Oh, I'll just get it annulled. But 
getting an annulment, even in California, I don't know about Ohio, clearly Ohio has a very high bar, but even in um, California, it's really, really hard to get an annulment. You rarely see people get an annulment. I think the biggest thing was when Kenny Chesney and Renee Zellweger Oh yeah, got an, they got married on the beach. They got married on the beach, but then they got an annulment, and it was really yeah. sort of shocking for like the family law community in California because, you know, it's really hard to get an annulment, even when both parties agree that it should be an annulment. I think that's an, a situation in which you can get one. So maybe that's what happened. They both agreed to annul it, and they were able to get a judge to kind of sign off on it. But like, you have to really be able to prove fraud. Or, you know, yeah, it's very some, limited, it's very um, limited circumstances, circumstances. Right? Yeah, because some people are like, well, we've only been married for a few like six months. And, you know, I think we should it's just, just get... let's just have a take a mulligan on this one. <laughs> yeah, let's just kind of, you know, pretend it didn't happen. It's really hard to do that. So um, so it's interesting because, you know, they're making it's a pretty big deal to be to get married through a K-1 visa and if it's not legitimate because you know if they then you're stuck with somebody like Muhammad who's just like now has basically a free ride here he was able to be sponsored um and that's, that's the other issue and you see that with Molly and Luis the guy from the Dominican Republic and the woman who owned like the bra shop in Georgia and again oh, right. guys we're just going to indiscriminately reference other seasons and you know hopefully you're as bigger fan as big of fans as we are um but with Molly and Luis I remember when she kind of realized, it looked like she was realizing on camera that she was going to be, because she was the one who had sponsored him herself mm-hmm. independently, that she was going to be financially responsible for him for 10 years following the dissolution of their marriage. Like they, you know, again, got divorced pretty quickly after they got married and she kicked him out of the house and all this stuff. And I remember like the moment where the lawyer told her, yeah, well, you're still responsible. And she was like, no, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. It's like she had no idea, even though. Which is why these people that, like, I mean, this is another tangent that we'll get into, I'm sure, at some point. But the whole issue of, like, getting a prenup for these people. Like, it's so interesting. I don't think any of them have, have they? Uh, Not this this season, but I think in prior seasons we've seen people try to get... Oh, Oh, yeah, the guy with the real... Nikki. Nikki, the really young girl from... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she was from the Philippines. Yeah, where he was really creepy. And Mark. And, and Mark, yeah, Yo. they had one. And then even the girl, remember the young girl who married the guy from the Dominican? Um, the young girl who married the guy was from the Dominican. Was he from the Dominican? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Pedro and Chantel. Yes, and her parents were like, you have to sign a prenup. And yes. like, on her way to the yes. wedding, they were signing it. You're I'm right. Like, that is not enforceable. I mean, I'm No, speaking, because you need like seven days or something, right? I'm Before... speaking from California perspective. First of all, California hates prenups. And I tell that really? to any client who comes in to try and get a prenup, they're they're very difficult to enforce if you go to court on them. The way they're I helpful is that. if you pre-agree to stuff and then when you're getting a divorce, you go ahead and follow whatever the prenup said. Then, of course, it's, it works out. But there's a lot of times when you sign a prenup and like 10 years have passed or five years have passed and your circumstances have changed so drastically from the time that you signed the prenup that it no, almost doesn't matter. It's anymore. no longer conscionable. Like, I mean, that's the thing with spousal support. That's one thing that people really want to put in a prenup, you know, like that we're both going to waive spousal support. And the court has recently said that you have to include language in there that says 
unless at the time of dissolution, it is unconscionable not to order spouse support, meaning that's so fascinating. Let's say somebody gets like zero assets from, you know, this prenup and the other party is like a billionaire. Well, it's so inequitable and so unconscionable that that person wouldn't get any sort of support that the court's going to override the prenup. And, and so, I think people think that these things are going to be binding. Right. A and, lot so of what we do, and I always tell them, you know, California doesn't like prenups. They don't like these pre, you know, agreements because yeah. you don't know what circumstances are going to be like at the time of divorce. That's why there's nothing in there about you can usually not do anything about like custody or child support. Right. Like, that's just regulated by the court. You can never pre it's always Agree. best interest of the child, right? Like right. That, that yeah. changes over time depending on it's the It's variable. But I always tell people, like, we will try to make it as enforceable as we can and as defensible as we can. But that doesn't mean it's 100% proof because it's never going to be. It's just by virtue of the fact that it's a prenup, it's never going to be. So you try to put things in there. You try to make them sign or or at least initial every page. And if there's anything and you make, you try to get them to have their own lawyers, like look at it and review it. You just try to do everything you can to make it as valid as it can be. But you know, your hands are tied ultimately. So when these people try to get it done, like in a day or like a couple days, I mean, no, it's just, it's, it, I mean, you can sign it, sure, but it's really not enforceable. And I think the Americans try to take advantage of the foreigners by, you know, making them sign these things. Because especially in the Nikki Mark situation, if they were to get a divorce, I don't know that Nikki would be confident enough to try to fight the prenuptial agreement. Yeah, God knows what kind of coercion would occur kind of outside the court, you know, right. like having nothing to do and, with and the proceedings. If required to take care of her for 10 years then a prenup's not going to be relevant. I mean, the whole point is, like, if he leaves her out on the street with nothing, you know, the United States... Yeah, he can't even do that under the immigration law. Right. The United States wants to make sure that, like, hey, you brought this person here. You're responsible to take care of them. See, and this is the kind of of experience and, and perspective that you specifically can bring to the table as far as the podcast is concerned that's, I think, so valuable yeah. and so fascinating. I mean, I'm a lawyer, too, but I'm not... I was never a family law lawyer. So I think that your particular expertise is so relevant to what we're talking about with 90 Day Fiance. Uh, yes, with the one caveat that very few couples are from California. Yeah, no, <laughs> fair enough. But no, but it's kind of like color. It's color. It's not... But it's generally, I mean, I think that the, you know, in general, people try to initiate family law in a way that is protective of the individuals so i i can't see i i don't know i mean it depends and there, there are definitely some of these states that the people are from that are not community property states which makes it That's a, a good little point. bit different too but totally but the immigration law is federal law and that trumps state law which trumps which is means that the immigration federal laws will trump um any state family laws which are what all the family laws are really about so, I love the double entendre there with Trump. Oh God, I know. I hate. It's such a like. It's totally the appropriate word to use, but I just hate using yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it hurts me. Um, Speaking of hurting, by the way, I think we can move on to Ash. Back to Ashley. Yes, Ashley it's the final Jay. segment, and uh, he starts this segment explaining that he's a tattoo artist and that he likes specifically to. He. I mean, he kind of intimates that he turns women on by giving them 
tattoos, which was kind of a uh, kind of unbelievable because my understanding, I don't have any tattoos. My understanding is that it's painful. Um, And it also just went to show that he is, you know, kind of touting his own, I guess you'd call it prowess, sexual prowess in a way and sort of trying to, you know, he, he goes on to explain. And this was dark that he lost his virginity at eight years old. But he didn't think it was dark. I mean, he was bragging about it, but when I heard it, I was like, Ooh. I mean, you know, I have a son. So I have a seven-year-old. I... I have a seven-year-old daughter. If she lost yeah. her virginity when she was eight, I would lose my mind. Yeah, I don't even think that can be termed losing one's virginity. I mean, it's it's sexual violence at that point. Yeah, that's out of control. So that was weird, and he was sort of explaining it again in sort of lieu of 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 essentially bragging about his prowess he also explained that he stole his dad's girlfriend who was american i believe she was from florida he says that he was bilking her for money Uh um and that but he refused to move to the u.s for her and i think what the point that he's trying to make aside from that he's got game is that it it, this is not a green card marriage like that he had a prior opportunity if he wanted to to go be with someone who had money who was willing to kind of sponsor him financially in some way, shape, or form and but bring she, him to the U.S. But she wasn't from Mechanicsville, Katie. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think really she know. was from Orlando. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which is worse. Uh, but Jay lives with his sister, Bucci, who was pregnant with a baby girl. And, you know, I think it's that whole situation. He, we find out that his mom actually lives in the United States now and is made to work and make money and i think it and it's kind of the same thing we saw with devar and mel where you know there are these people from jamaica that come to the united states to earn money and then send it back to the family who's still living in jamaica and i think that's kind of the situation that they're in and this might be another thing which i just thought about didn't occur to me before but this might be a reason why jay did not pursue that other woman and move to florida at that time and why right now it's sort of ripe for him to go to the U.S. because his sister's pregnant and she's going to have a baby and she's going to need money and and need financial help. And so Jay feels like it's his duty as the brother to now go to the United States, get money and then send it back to her to take care of her and her new child. Well, and another consideration is it's possible that this thing that happened, this affair with the Florida woman happened when he was so young. Well, that's and again, true, you know, yeah. his, his little career here 20. started at eight. He's only 20 now. So it's like, how likely was it before that he could have gone and really made a living in the States if he was, you know, under 18, let's right. say, for example. I mean, and who knows how old he was. Um, yeah. my, I think my favorite part of this segment, though, <laughs> when he was sort of saying, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Uh, I'm done sort of with my days of, of, of being a player. Um, I'm a lover, not a cheater. <laughs> like, it's one of those two things mutually exclusive. It's like the same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, Jay. So that was rough. That's that's dark. That's dark. Yes. And that, by the way, was the end of for the TLC. First hour. Like, yes, yes. And then there was like a part two. They basically split the season premiere into two parts. And by the way, this is something that I've noticed with this show. That sometimes there'll be a 45 minute episode and then sometimes there'll sort of be a double episode and you never know know, when or why. They only split it in the, on the app because I recorded it on my DVR live and it flowed. It was like a two hour episode. Wait, no, but sometimes, and this is for like before the 90 day and other episode, other seasons, 
of this show, my my recollection is like just randomly, sometimes the episode will be 45 minutes and then sometimes it'll be an hour and a half. And I never know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, it's not like it's been dropped in two parts on the app and then later it becomes just one giant episode. It's like some, I think that their episodes are not consistent in terms of length, that which could, isn't super important, but true, it is just but yeah. But for this one, when they did air it on Sunday night, they aired it as one long episode. And this second part starts back with Cole <laughs> visiting his Cole. cousin John and he his wife He wants us Leo. to know that maybe his world is not as small as Baby Girl, Sugar, and Cookie Dough, and Debbie, his mother. That he yeah. also has a cousin who lives in Vegas. And so um, they probably had to dig deep to find somebody else who knows him in Vegas. And yeah, speaking of digging deep, the wife's, the cousin's wife. Leah. It was, it was it was so sad. She was saying, you know, sort of opining about what Larissa might it's Larissa, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What she might sort of see in in Colt. And she says that maybe she's maybe it's not all about looks for her. <laughs> <laughs> she's just saying what we're all thinking. Like, ouch. Mean, yeah. Um she's she's, you know a little bit she it looks like she really got dressed up for the part for this uh segment you're talking about the flower power like headband i think she kind of wants to be a star (laughs) i think so too but i did think i did like john the cousin and leah i i like them as a yeah they're cute together and and this is the this is the voice of reason talk for cold yeah this is where it enters and you know john is kind of like speaking and giving his perspective and that he's just concerned about colt and you know my dorky computer nerd cousin and blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, he's wondering if Larissa has a nerd fetish, as <laughs> if that was like the only way she could possibly be interested in this guy. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Um, and then, and then the cut. I think my favorite part was when the cousin was sort of he was describing in a in a in a not ridiculous way how you know the the concerns or the questions that we all have, and you know, with all these couples, it's like. How can you possibly know that this person is the one when you haven't really spent time with the person? And he says that he didn't know he really loved his wife until they had, quote, fish to the streams together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's basically trying to tell Colt, like, it's not all about vacation, buddy. Like, we had to, we had to spend a lot of time together and see how we both are in all these different experiences and experience life together. And then we found love, but it's not. And, like... and then they found quote infinitive love, infinitive. as you put it, in sort of a <laughs> rather genius Mallow prophecy. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, they're not convinced. So that was fun. That was a good. That was fun. And then confrontation. Now we um, have Jonathan back to Jonathan and Fernanda. This is the thirty-two-year-old bro. Um, and he is going to go have his voice of reason conversation with his uh, best friend, Danny, who is a girl and clearly the only girl in wherever Lumberton, he's, Lumberton, North Carolina, who he has not had sex with, um, <laughs> which is why she's still his friend. <laughs> and uh, she is skeptical and probably a little bit disappointed that he felt yeah. the need to go to Mexico to find a well. He he it is a little different because he was on vacation in Mexico and met Fernanda. It wasn't yeah, like he, I don't, was, he didn't go. He looking. wasn't online dating or anything like that. But I bet she's right. kind of disappointed because I it's it seemed to me like she 
felt like perhaps being the only girl left in Lumberton that he hasn't had sex with, that maybe they would end up together. Well, and also she notes she notes that he's wearing an engagement ring. Yeah, because apparently Fernanda will cut a bitch if she tries to get on her. Yeah, he, he's like she's super jealous. I like it. It's hot. <laughs> <laughs> and Danny is concerned because you know he's basically slept with all of Lumberton, so. He's got a lot of ex-girlfriends, and if this girl, Fernanda, is really jealous, like, it doesn't bode well for them going anywhere in public and not yeah, Danny, running into somebody. Danny wisely admonishes that he should have started with a dog. <laughs> because he's not used to having like any consistency whatsoever, any responsibility in his life. And a whole woman is kind of a lot to start with. <laughs> Yeah. I Oh, and then he says he's worried that 90 days isn't a long enough escrow period. Because <laughs> he kind of compares it to like whatever it is, the 60 day average for yeah, closing on a hour. house. And he's like, how am I supposed to close on this relationship in 90 days? Yeah, he is not the most mature 32 year old I've run into. No. Um, and, you know, he's he's also he's got valid concerns about this is that theme of her being young and free and him no he's 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 projecting though he's clearly well, projecting. Yeah, no, and danny's concerned about it too though she's like you know you've kind of sown your wild she does and then say that. some and then she's she's 19 she's a baby like she's she's barely lived and now she's coming here to become your wife but see i have to say I, that's not my concern my concern is no, that she's not- 19 and she's not ready to get married i mean maybe she is maybe she isn't my concern is that she doesn't know him well enough um, to realize that you know it's um it's it's problematic that he's had this inability it seems I think he even says it sort of a previous inability to settle down um, yeah, and, and it's like suddenly now he's like a different person and he's ready to be monogamous and, and we're talking what 15 20 years for this guy of of playing I mean, the field well I'm and I, and I also think that like when, when Americans I think it's cultural too like yeah culturally when we think about Americans being 19, 20 years old, we think, oh my gosh, like you got to do go to college and you got to do this and you got to travel true. and you got to do all these fun things before you settle down and get married. But culturally, I mean, she, especially if she's from a really small town outside of Mexico City and she lives with her entire family, including her parents and her siblings still at 19, you know, it's probably very cultural that, you know, she should be getting ready to get married. Um, so for oh, I wonder about that. I know, wonder like what the average age is for women in in her town in or her maybe in Mexico probably, to get married. See, and that's why I don't think it's that unusual for these people in these towns who are nineteen, twenty years old, these girls, to be thinking about getting married because I think that's culturally what they do. And and that's, that's a very not, interesting. It's just thought. different. I don't think it, it's not like American girls who are nineteen who you know are are in most well. In, and also, I'm also speaking very specifically about my experience being, I'm a native Californian. I've lived in the Bay Area for an extended period. I've lived in LA for an extended period. So I'm in these like urban sort of environments where we, you know, go to school, go to college, get a career, do all, you know what I mean? Travel, yeah. do all this stuff. It's not like, you know, I didn't grow up in, an, in a family where it was like, oh, okay, you're 18. Let's start popping out babies. Where are you going to get married? You know, my mom didn't get married at 18. It's just not culturally part of my family history. So for 
but for this young girl, Fernanda, maybe it is. Maybe it's not unusual for her to get married at 19 or 20. And that's well, why and- it's very easy for her to say, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to get settled. Hey, I found my guy. I think, that's, I think that's such a good point. And I also think that the flip side is that she may not be aware that the culture in the United States, especially, re- you know, recently is for men, I think, especially in urban areas, although I can't say Lumberton, North Carolina likely counts, but I, I don't really know anything about that town. He does say anything's possible in Lumberton. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's Vegas-esque, but um, I don't know. Uh, but that there is a culture here of what I would sort of term toxic bachelorhood, you know, where men are marrying later and they don't want to settle down and mm-hmm. you know they're sort of sowing their wild oats for you know going so much further in life without being married than I think I think even yours and my parents probably did I mean my parents got married in their early 20s actually like I think they were like 23 uh my mom was 26 and my dad was 28 yeah so still mid mid 20s yeah versus yeah. this guy's 34 right well is he but... 34 I think he is yeah that's true so, I mean, he's, he's getting up there and he's clearly a guy that has, I mean, I think he says he's, oh, 32, sorry. He says he's had a hard time settling down. And, you know, I don't know if she, in other words, is aware of this kind of like bro culture that yeah, he clearly well, hails from. And I think that's specific to North Carolina. Cause like, what, or maybe Lumberton, because like, I think about the Bay Area and like when I was living in San Francisco, yeah, guys was, are waiting forever to get married here. But so are girls. I mean, I was 34. I didn't get married until I was point. 37. No, you're right. You're right. That's true. It's, it's not because it's not gender we're more, specific. I think it's more, you're more career focused. I mean, for me, yeah. I didn't want to get married and have kids until my career was settled and I was done with school and I was already financially able to take care of myself. And, you know, I wasn't practicing family law at the time. I was doing other corporate litigation, but you know, now that I do practice family law in hindsight, you know, it is really smart. And it's how I want to raise my daughters because I see so many people go through divorce where, you know, they're like, I've never worked. I've never, I don't know how to really do- still, still they're just dependent. And, and it happens a lot in the Bay area because you have a lot of these like tech guys that make a ton yeah. of money. There's a lot of wealth. There's so a you don't lot need of wealth. two incomes. There's no reason for a second yeah. income, you know? So yeah. It is. And then they, they let their kind of careers slide and then it's harder to get back in, but you have to I'm pretty sure you just described me, by the way. (laughs) No, but it's different because you have, like, you have already finished school. Like, there's nothing, it's not like you're going to go back and get a degree. I mean, you have a lot. No, I mean, I could practice anytime I want to, but it is funny because I married a guy in tech. And, you know, I stopped working yeah. basically, I mean, when I had kids, but also kind of coinciding with when he started working in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly what you're describing. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I mean, we'll see how that It's a little different, <laughs> I think. Um, but at least, but that's the difference is that you do have that. I mean, I still have people coming in where they're like, I haven't worked in 25 years and I don't have yeah. a college degree. You know, yeah. and, and then where do you see where are they going to work? And then you see the ex-husbands being like, well, she needs to work because I'm not going to pay forever. And it's like, yeah, well, and what it's is like, she going to do? The deal, man, too. Yeah, like, and what I don't is know. she going to do Speaking of and stuff. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. I just love your perspectives. <laughs> what you bring to the table. It just cannot be quantified. So let's see. Now, are we done? I think we're done with Danny. Yeah, we're, we're back to Eric. We're back to Eric. Frankly, frankly, sitting in the saddest apartment ever and drinking the saddest tall boy ever. I mean, <laughs> I just felt like 
so depressed. Well, his story <laughs> has taken a dark turn. It really has. So this is the thing. He lives with his middle daughter, T- Natasha, who we they called Tasha. She's 19 years old and she's living with her dad, but not in the way you think of 19 year olds living with their parents. Like you think, oh, I've, you know, I'm living with my mom and dad. She's like roommates with her dad. So she pays and she's paying half the rent, half the utilities, which is not the stereotypical everything. thing you think of where, you know, and it's been in the news or whatever, that millennials are living at home and, yeah. you know, so that they can save money. This is a situation where he is simply her roommate. And then I, and it begs the question, like, why did she choose her father to be just like her normal roommate as opposed to like living with a friend or, you know, and she has a 21 year old sister, right? Like, living yeah. Around. It's just so she's, she's, she is. And because, and I, I think the importance of the fact that she is paying half the rent, paying half the utilities and a, his roommate, as opposed to just like his daughter living off of him is because uh, lead is coming with her son. And she's going to be moving into this apartment. And so he's telling his daughter she's got to move out. And his daughter, being 19 and kind of probably still reeling from the aftermath of the divorce because, it you was know, pretty recent. It, was, it was recent and she was so old when it happened. Um, you know, it's, she's coming to terms with it, too. But she doesn't really give a shit that this woman's coming. And she's kind of wondering, like, why the hell... I've heard that this woman has like this awesome lifestyle in Jakarta and like has all these maids and has like, she's wealthy and, and why is she coming to Baraboo, Wisconsin? Which quite frankly is my question. Yeah. I mean, she kind of says without coming out and saying it, like, there's no way this woman is coming here for my dad. (laughs) He has nothing to offer. (laughs) Yeah. Which was dark. I mean, that was, it was dark. Sad. It was dark, but it was, it was, I mean, and and some of it can be coming from just like bitterness. Like you don't know, I don't know the, you know, the fallout from the divorce and exactly how that, no idea. We don't know any of the, and we may never know. And that's fine. I just saw her as like a 19 year old. I know everything and I'm invincible and you're not going to push your shit on me. And I pay half the rent and I'm a roommate. And, you know, I mean, essentially it, because she pays half the rent and everything, you know, she has every right to stay there. Yeah. But it, I, I, I look at this as a very untenable situation because of her attitude mm-hmm. and because of the fact that it's going to be coming from both sides. You know, you're going to have this daughter who doesn't want this woman coming, who's maybe suspicious of her and, you know, who doesn't want her in her space. There's the fact that there's a little kid involved. And then on latest side, there's the fact that it appears she doesn't really know what she's walking into both in terms of the difference in, um, kind of the socioeconomic, like the lifestyle mm-hmm. and the fact that Eric says at the end of this segment that Leda quote, doesn't know anything about the apartment. So I don't know what he means by that. Like whether he, you know, I mean, apparently she's going to be coming into this blind, which just is very, very concerning. Well, I think we can agree that this relationship is wholly untenable for all the reasons you mentioned. And even if only one of those reasons existed. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like a train wreck storm of like, everything being horrible because you know you he's already in a position of being in the middle and trying to juggle 
an ex-wife, his three girls, this in new the middle woman. That's and, it. He's going to be in the middle yeah, again. And, and this five-year-old for sure. But then he's also got this 19-year-old who is making him it even more difficult. And as we will come to see, he's got this new woman, Lita, who's also going to make it more difficult because she's got her own emotional triggers that happen. Um, so well, it's maybe it's going to be really it, hard for Mr. America. And luckily, I think if you're ready, we can move from this dumpster fire back to our favorite couple. (gasps) Kalani, although this did kind of alter my perspective of Kalani. Because she seems very reasonable. She's 29. She seems kind of like she's got a good head on her shoulders. Um, She's a smart girl. You know, I I really like her. But um, so she lives with Kalini, her sister. Um, who she calls who goes by Lini, who's also it, insanely beautiful, very beautiful. Oh my god, I want both of their hair. Yeah. Um, they Kalani tells us that her sister hates Oswal, Oswalo, and so she's staying in an Airbnb with her baby and Oswalo when he comes. Yeah, and which is kind of weird, like for her to have to it's move a with little her baby. Weird. I didn't, I didn't love that. Yeah, but there's so Kalani makes this big thing about the fact that at some point after she and Azuelo had been together when she was back in the United States they hadn't yet defined their relationship they hadn't decided they were going to be committed or whatever this is what Kalani says now she's saying they hadn't really defined it but he she found out he had slept with somebody else and supposedly they were on a break yeah apparently they were friend style ross and rachel on a break yeah and so she is now i think at the time that it happened she was very hurt because she wasn't interested in sleeping with other people whether or not they were in a committed relationship or not she was not interested in that and she was hurt that he was able to do that and i'm sure she vented and confided in her sister and was upset and her sister had to kind of witness the fallout and because of that her sister considered him a cheater um because was in her perspective thought that they were in a committed relationship and he had had sex with this other woman so so Lini has always hated him and not liked him at all and thought he that she that Kalani was too good for him well now Kalani is saying that that was a lie and that they had not defined their relationship so he didn't technically cheat on her. And so she has to now come clean and tell her sister before Azuelo comes because she wants her sister to give Azuelo a fair shot. This seems all too convenient to me. I don't know that what the truth is. That's um, the problem. You come away from this like very confused because she could just be defending Azuelo now that she decided ultimately to be with him. So we don't really know what happened. And I, I think Lini kind of takes away takes that away from it too she says something like i'm just confused now i i don't i don't know what to believe and she's like irritated that oh sure there was a there was some sort that there is some sort of mistruth whether it's now or was back then exactly and and kalani like gets really emotional and like leaves the table and is like totally pissed that Lini didn't somehow say oh my gosh you're right i was so wrong to be mad at him and i'm going to embrace him and everything's cool which is kind of weird. Like, I feel like Kalani needs to, like, just because you're, you now tell the truth and, and it may influence and change Lini's perspective, it doesn't make everything okay. It doesn't, like, fi- automatically fix. Like, oh, I told you the truth. You know, that's not an automatic fix. So that's I what agree. I found so odd about this whole 
interaction or evening with Kalani. I just feel like she's like, I think Kalani's just really stressed <laughs> and overwhelmed by like the whole situation. And her situation. sister's really important to her. And yeah. she's having to move out of her house and not be with her sister and not have that support system. And right. so it's kind of, yeah, I agree. I think, I, think I, I understand why she got overwhelmed. Super like emotional. And so, um, but that was just a whole weird thing. But I can understand how that happens. I mean, it's totally the reason why whenever you fight with your boyfriend, don't talk shit about him to your family and your friends. PSA people, do not yeah, talk shit about your boyfriend when you're um, pissed off at him because you're, you will forgive him, but your friends will remember and your family will remember. And typically, you are when you talk to your friends and give them a lot of details, you're venting. You're usually just talking to them when you have negative shit to say, because when everything's all beautiful and sunshine and roses, you're not just calling them to say, Hey, everything's perfect. You don't really have those deep comfort. You have the conversation. They get a skewed perspective, right? They're like, you, you were never happy. You were always complaining. And you're like, no, we just didn't talk to you when I was happy. So just PSA future reference. If any of you are in relationships and you fight with your significant other, just careful who you vent to and careful what you say because those people will never forget that shit. Completely agreed. All right. So ready to move to Colt? We are, but can we actually take a break first? Of course. All right, guys. We'll be back soon. Bye. Okay. So we left off at Kalani at the end. And so no. now yeah. we're starting with Colt. Yes. Is that right? Okay. So. Larissa got her visa and um, she's excited to tell Colt that she's, that she has her visa in hand and that he can now buy her a ticket. Um, Yeah. Although I think she, yeah, you're right. Because the thing that ends up being interesting about this segment is that she, even though they had that awkward conversation already where he essentially told her he was planning on buying a ticket for two weeks out just to be safe. I guess she didn't think he was actually going to do it. So that's, yeah confusion now (laughs) yeah because she's like okay and move the ticket to now because i'm ready to come and he's like i already bought the ticket for two weeks from now and and she's 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 super annoyed you can just see it in her face um you know she's so manipulative because she's like you know, it's interesting because, you know, he thought it was a done deal. I told you it was the reasonable, logical conclusion that I buy you a ticket for two weeks out. But, right. you know, if that was the extent, if the last conversation they had was the full extent of their conversation and they hadn't talked since that time, I could see how she, there was not a definitive resolution. I you agree. Know, I you agree. know, she was kind of annoyed and he was kind of like, that doesn't make logical sense. And she's like, you're a rich American. Do what you have to do. Um and so now she's like, you know, I just thought that, you know, you loved me as much as I loved you and would want to see me. Yeah. And his, his <laughs> response is, I'm not made of tickets. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> uh, I thought that And then her response cute. to that was, you are American, so you can do it. Which I just think, honestly, should be the real title of this show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because that seems to be the general theme here, you know. Well, yeah. you're American, so get it done. You know, which um, I get. I think, honestly, as a side note, I think that the the sort of the way the United States is presenting itself and, and of course, other cultures have so much access to the way we are choosing to present ourselves. And by we, I'm not, you know, 
yeah really over trying to overgeneralize but I think there's a, a notion that is propounded on the part of certain people in the United States including I would probably argue our current president <laughs> that yeah. the United States is just like literally essentially heaven on earth and so we can't really blame people in other countries for like buying the bill of sale you know I don't know that's true and it, it's kind of interesting because now that her coming to the U.S. is a reality, even though it's pushed out two weeks. She's taking this opportunity to let him know that, you know, now that you have this extra time, uh, you can work out every day and uh, shave your beard. (laughs) Shave your beard. (laughs) So she's already starting to, like, get him molded into what she really wants as a husband. Well, to be fair, I think that her concern for his beard is legitimized when when he follows the and pretty awkward end of this conversation by taking a bite out of the largest croissant I have ever seen oh my gosh I I laughed out loud when I just she probably thought he'd get like croissant crumbs in his beard that enormous I mean really have you ever seen a bigger croissant and just the way the producers like they edited this so perfectly because just it's almost covering his entire face they did him dirty on this one. And I did feel that this croissant kind of just also, again, um, just really exemplified Larissa's view of the United States. No, like, oh, my everything's God. Everything's huge. <laughs> no, totally. So I was thinking about this because, you know, when I said, you know, because he, he does really have man boobs. But, you know, quite frankly, if I were a man, I'd probably have man boobs, too. I'm not, you know, exactly you know, the skinniest girl in the world. So you're saying that's why she told him to work out? Oh, I'm, thing? I'm sure. And she's spent uh, time with them. So she's probably like noted. And she's like super proud of her body. You know, she's like always taking pictures of her. And as half she naked. should be. As she I should mean, be. she's gorgeous. That's fine. But, you know, it's funny because I was like, oh, okay, two weeks of him working out every day isn't going to make a difference. But then I remembered how totally annoying it is to have a male workout partner. So back <laughs> in the day, I was, uh, after I finished college, I was living with my college boyfriend and he was like six, four and like 250 pounds. He's like a big guy. And I am a whopping five, three. And I've been five. <laughs> I didn't three. realize you were that small. I am. I've been I'm five, five ten for the record. <laughs> yeah, I've been five three since like seventh grade. And you come off taller. I'm well, gonna give you that one. I'm I'll tell go ahead you when I was give in, you that. when I was in seventh grade, I was taller than most of the boys in my class. <laughs> and then they got to high school, and then I became the shortest person in the world. But I've always been five three, and I was very um, heavy back then, and as I am now, but like I was back then I was like in my early twenties and my boyfriend at the time and I were like, let's, he was like, let's work out. We'll have a workout plan. So we'd go work out together. And after like two weeks of we would do the same exact workout. We would eat exactly the same food. He probably ate more cause he's huge, but he literally like after two weeks was like, I lost 10 pounds and I'm like, great. I gained three. Like, yeah, it's no. so frustrating. After six months of working out, I think I finally, like, got down, like, 30. I lost 30 pounds. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I lost so much. And he is like, oh, yeah, I lost 60. You know, it's like yeah. so annoying. I think that's a very – I completely agree with you. I think a lot of our listeners are going to agree with you. And I, I have no – factual basis for making the following statement, but I'm going to make it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's been research that shows that for women, 
like exercise isn't as helpful as like essentially, I don't want to call it dieting, but sort of food choices in losing weight. And versus for men, I think that either exercise works better or they both, both exercise and diet, like just work super well. And essentially men just have an easier time of it. And again, I have no factual basis for making that statement, but it always seemed that way in my experience. And um, I've had exactly the same situation as yours happen, yeah. by the way. A couple of weeks ago, I was at the park and I saw this lovely lesbian couple and they had their dog and their little girl with them. And one of the partners clearly was very athletic. Like she could not stop moving. She's like bouncing around and, you know, swinging the little girl around and everything. And the other partner was a little bit, she was wearing workout clothes, but you could tell like she wasn't as um, energetic or, you know, athletic. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. But what was great about it was I was like, I am so jealous of their relationship because they're clearly working out together. Like they both had workout clothes. I love so it. They were like running with the dog and pushing the stroller, you know, with their little like 18 month old and they can encourage each other. And one of them's not going to resent the other one because they're probably going to lose weight at the same exact rate. Oh like, my gosh, my, you're so right. My husband keeps trying to tell me like, Oh, I'll go work out with you. I'm like, I do not want to work out with you because you're just going to piss me off. It's going to irritate me to no end that you are going to be losing weight rapid fire and being able to eat whatever the hell you want. And I'm going to be sitting there like eating, you know, a cracker and like a glass of water and gain weight. (laughs) Okay. But actually I have a bone to pick with you about this and I'm going to pick it publicly as real friends do. I have noticed that you don't eat anything. And I eat so much and you keep coming to my house or like we keep going to dinner and I'm like, Hey, want to eat something? Want to eat something? Cause I'm starving over here. And then you're like, no, I'm cool. And then finally we sit down and eat and you have like four bites. And I'm like, uh, you going to finish that? Cause I'm going to go and eat your okay. so stuff. You're also feeding another human. Oh yeah, I guess I'm breastfeeding. That's true, but I always eat a lot. Your, so I can't your really body's stand working overtime. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, I don't know what's happening because I feel like if th- that is a sad commentary on my life. If I'm not eating and yet I'm still gaining weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm breastfeeding and not losing pregnancy weight. So that oh, makes God. Me I yeah. Oh, which by the way, and I think if we're done with Colt now, we can move on to Eric at the Italian grill. Oh, yeah. Speaking of food <laughs> Italian... that we don't want to eat. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Eric, okay, this is where I have to say he has a really great divorce. I mean, he's going great. to have lunch with his ex-wife, Tanya, and his older, his oldest daughter, Tanil, and his youngest daughter, the 11-year-old, Jenica. And the thing that I love about this is she's a pretty recent ex-wife so I can see people that get divorced and like years down the line they've yes. kind of moved on and they come to it. a separate piece yeah but these yeah. people moved these on really people quickly moved on very quickly and I I think it's great I mean I don't see yeah. it very often even you're though a family I law lawyer you've seen it all <laughs> well so yeah. you would know in, and I do mediation, which means I work with both parties and people are typically more amicable than if they're going That's to true. court. But even still, I, I am always pleasantly surprised when I see the, when I see people come in to sign their divorce papers and then they're like, Hey, you want to grab lunch? We're both downtown. Oh yeah. Let's go grab. We're going to grab I love lunch. that. that That's like a fairy sweet. tale sort of. <laughs> yeah. It, it, especially when they have kids, it just makes my heart happy because then it's like, okay, these people clearly realized they weren't in love with each other anymore and needed to move on, but they can still be friends or friendly at least. So yeah, I have to say it made, it kind of made my heart warm that they were so amicable, but it also kind of made me sad. Cause I was like, and of course I don't know them, but my initial, 
you know, as, as a viewer of the show, I was like, why did you get divorced? You know, it just seemed like the family, you know, was kind of functioning, right? It is, except that he's Eeyore. <laughs> oh no is that the, does he have a blanket no linus or linus yeah but blanket. he's so you know like eeyore and he's always so like duh, 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 you know like always down and you think he's like a debbie donner yeah so he's so eeyore and so i don't know anyway they got divorced and it's super funny because they're, well they're at this italian allegedly Italian restaurant. Yeah, an Italian restaurant that serves <laughs> onion rings and potato skins. And I'm from New Jersey, okay? That's not a real Italian restaurant. No, that's <laughs> just weird. And then she's, he's, uh, Tennille's like, or he says, I eat onion rings now, which apparently is a new thing. And I love that Tanya's like, I see your tastes changed in more ways than one. And she starts <laughs> laughing. Good for her, man. And she's like, I couldn't help myself. And I just think that's so great. Like, what... <laughs> It was fantastic. She's my hero. Very cool. And um, in this conversation, we kind of learn, because it's very odd that TLC hasn't advertised or announced or put next to her name, uh, Lita's age. Yeah, it is. It's unusual because they always, always, always give the age, I feel. Yeah. And in this particular instance, they, they talk about it. And Tennille is 21. We know from earlier in the episode and she makes reference to the fact that Lita is just three years older than she is. So it seems like Lita's 24 years old around that age. Cause she's about 15 years younger than, uh, than our buddy Eric, which isn't an insane age difference, except for the fact that he seems older than 40. Yeah. Like he just come, I mean, I'm not saying he is, I'm sure that's his age, but he comes off as, and he looks older than that. So it ends up being almost more jarring that they didn't tell us our age, you know, because you can sort of assume that the age difference is larger than it actually is, which is interesting. Yeah, I just thought it was very weird. And, you know, Jenica, Jenica the 11-year-old, really could care less about this whole thing. Yeah, I thought it was weird she was even in the scene, to be honest. Yeah, I think he felt like he needed to talk about it with his kids because clearly he talks about it a lot with Tasha, his roommate. but like you know he feels like i got a touch base with the other ones and you know he's talking about like talking about how lita's like you know really used to this luxurious lifestyle and you know she's very spoiled and well taken care of at her mom's and tanya again just like tasha asks the obvious question that i have asked many times in watching this episode why aren't you going over there like you know, why is she coming here if her life is so awesome over there? Because quite frankly, I've seen your two bedroom and it's not so awesome. And and this was, this is where Eric really kind of, I felt contradicted himself from what he had basically from his storyline, like his general introduction was, yeah, she is going to have a pretty rude awakening when she comes here and she isn't living in the lap of luxury any longer. Mm -hmm. But then when his daughter questions him about why he isn't just going there, given those kinds of complications, he says, well, it's still better over here. You know, well, which yeah. is odd. That's the, that's the America. The America yeah, I mean, it, it seems very misguided, but it's odd that he was like self-aware enough or aware of that fact before, but not now. It was, it just, it seems like he's changing his tune, which is weird. It is weird, but like, it just seems like it fits his persona. Cause even his older daughter is like, he's always going to think I'm, you know, he's such a patriot. He's always going to yeah, think Yeah, it could just be pure patriotism. Like not even so much about socioeconomic. No, it's or just like, like even material things versus just like, oh, America is literally the best place anyone could possibly live, no matter how much money they have, which I completely disagree with. For Absolutely. A hundred percent disagree with. Um, and then 
he brings this up, which is so stupid. Yeah. I don't know why he would bring up an issue when there isn't one. Because, yeah. you know, Tanya's like, I have no issue befriending her or talking to her. You know, we're obviously going to chat. and Which is great and very mature of her. But, like, he says, well, actually, Lita used to have a problem with you. Yeah, she has a problem. Bad judgment. I'm like, why would you bring up something that either is no longer an issue or is something that is not going to be changed or that Tanya has no ability to change or nothing you know, good she, will nothing come good from that revelation no nothing. so he says that lita is upset that he pays child support to his ex-wife and it's upsetting to her because apparently in jakarta that's not the law and so her son's father doesn't pay her any money um i don't know if that's true or not i don't practice law in indonesia and i don't know about their uh family laws there but even I mean, if it is not true, I would imagine if she's being supported by her family and living in a basically like a a mansion with all of these uh, employees and staff taking care of her, she probably wouldn't need a lot of support from her ex-husband or well, the except father that's not her money if that's her parents money no but if you're getting taken care of i mean the whole yeah, point is to take care of so i get i but i don't know i don't know what the law is there and it might be that he doesn't have to support his child i mean he is also a, allegedly allowing her to move to the united states with the child so there's that but she's very bitter that he's paying child support and it's so strange to me that this would be something that she took issue with with tanya like it doesn't make i I don't know i i get i mean i i understand as somebody who married a man who paid his ex-wife and still continues to pay his ex-wife child support on some level i do get i mean i practice it this is what i do for a living i understand like i'm glad that he is supporting his child and Mm -hmm. as he should be but i understand that it can be annoying if it's affecting the lifestyle it it doesn't but if it were to affect our lifestyle and our two children i could see how i'd be kind of annoyed but i would never voice that and never take it out on him or his ex-wife because he needs to take care of his son so it's just weird that that's such a huge issue for them i see i would imagine that leda is sort of just purely projecting you know that it's not really that she thinks he shouldn't be supporting his children but that she's just so hurt and frustrated and whatever whatever else horrible feeling because she's not getting support you know I think it's very hard to come out of your own um sort of situation you know and and not let it affect how you feel about you know kind of parallel situations that are also going to affect you but where you're on the other side of the equation I mean I get it I think that yeah I feel I feel sorry for Tanya that that she even has this information because all it's going to do is leave a bad taste in her mouth and right I, I do think that this is going to end up blossoming into conflict later and I, I think absolutely. it was incredibly poor I think it was incredibly poor judgment on Eric's part to say it because as I said nothing good comes of this and no. also the fact is that he uh, presumably is going to have to continue paying child support. So for at least um, seven years until the 11 year old is 18. I mean, this could go on for a long time if Leda has this issue. And Leda, it strikes me that she is going to take it to another level. Like not just the basic issues that you would take or um, resentment or hurt or whatever you want to call it, that she might feel 
you know, with her partner paying this other woman money for their child, like that natural, you know, feelings that you may have. But I feel like with her, it's going to be on another level because she's so used to living this luxurious lifestyle that she's going to come to Barra, whatever it is, Baraboo, 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 Wisconsin, and have a far lower standard of living even if he was keeping a hundred percent of his earnings, but not only at that level would they be living under what she's used to, but he additionally has to pay his ex-wife money to take care of their child together, which he should. And nobody's arguing that, but it's like, it even leaves less money for her. And if her son's not being supported by his dad, then, you know, that's another kid that Eric's going to have to support. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think you kind of put your finger on what will, I'm going to go ahead and predict will be the big conflict in this family or one of the very big conflicts, which is I think that Leda is going to be sort of shocked and horrified by the change in her lifestyle mm-hmm. when she moves here. And conceivably, she's just going to blame the whole thing on Tanya, even though, as you pointed out, even if he wasn't paying out this money, he still wouldn't be able. I mean, it yeah. looks like it appears that he wouldn't have been able to afford anything like the lifestyle she has currently. So it could be that she's just going to wrap it all up in a ball and call it Tanya's fault. Right. Which is I think something people tend to do, um, you know, when they're sort of disappointed and there's like an easy target. Yes. No, I agree with that. Um, so. I agree. All right. Well, if we're done with, yes, <laughs> with that situation with for that the time mess, being, let's move to we the can next move hot mess. To the other hot mess. Yeah. Jonathan. Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan, 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 Jonathan. Please shave your beard. Yeah, Broseph. Oh, God, that that full bearded Jonathan is not a good look. Yeah, I agree. I didn't, I needs, didn't care for it. That, that needs to, she, that, you know, Larissa should be calling him and telling him to shave his beard. Yeah, I don't think she's going to tell him to do anything. <laughs> uh, for, well, so they're good. She he goes to Mexico to pick up Fernanda. And, um, and by the way, what's up TLC with not like filming that? I, don't, I know. I don't understand that. Maybe they just didn't allow it. Maybe they They didn't. go to the Amazon, you know, to film yeah. um, what I don't Paul know. and Carini. What the I heck? Know. They go to Mexico? Yeah, I have no idea why they didn't do it, but I was kind of bummed. I was looking forward to seeing her family. Um, I was too. But so they, they come back, right? And, you know, she's, she's a little bit, she's excited, but I'm sure she's sad because she's very close to her family. Um, they live with she lives with her family like her mom and her dad and her sisters and brother and whatever which I think only makes it even worse that when she does get here he has completely and utterly failed to essentially make a home for her you know like she's already leaving her family home he's gonna go start a new life and he just fails utterly he has a a trunk full of golf clubs so there's nowhere to put her bag who goes to the airport even if you weren't picking somebody up if you were going by yourself on vacation why would you have a trunk full of shit? Like, why wouldn't, I mean, I get if it, if maybe he has to keep his like real estate bro stuff in there, I get it. But like, yeah, like the signs, the golf, <laughs> they have the signs. Yeah, but the golf clubs, like that takes up a lot of room. He's like trying to jam her stuff in the back seat and she's moving her entire life to North Carolina. Like it's not. And then like it gets worse. She's just it's... coming to visit. It's like I'm coming and moving my whole entire life there, and you can't even clean out your freaking trunk. Well, not only that. I mean, it gets worse and worse as we go on. Oh um, yeah. He has. It turns out he has no bed that they have to sleep on a couch, and he tries to blame it on her, which I thought was 
kind of distasteful. He's like, oh yeah, well you're the one who insisted that we had a new bed. So yeah, I mean, I don't, furniture. I don't think that's, I don't like, think that's the normal order of operations that you throw out your old bed before your new one arrives. <laughs> like I get that she wants all like new furniture that the two of them could purchase together so that it's their home collectively. I can totally understand that perspective, but until yeah, that new furniture arrives, you just kind of suck it up and deal with the old furniture. You don't just like, Oh, I have nothing. Our apartment is empty because I didn't want to bring any old shit in here. Like, Come on, man. Like, not only is the sense. apartment, or I guess it's a house, not only is the house empty, but it doesn't have electricity. And she says, Are you poor? <laughs> legit question. Totally legitimate question. I don't have a bed. I don't have power. <laughs> I mean, and then the final, oh, the final oh, insult comes yes. uh, after that. And she finds, I guess it was, it, there was enough light in there that seemed to be coming from the production basically because you could see it in the mirror I think in the bathroom or the shower Mm -hmm. door or something that it was just one of those like big kind of floodlights that they use to light you know like video productions so I guess by the light of the the camera that was watching her humiliation she found underwear clearly belonging to another woman in his bureau yeah and then he tries to play it off like oh that's so old I don't even use that bureau well then why the fuck would you move it full of stuff yeah, to the yeah. new house? Like it, it's a bureau that you don't even use because he says he only uses his closet. Then why wouldn't you at least empty it so that she could put her stuff in this bureau and use it? But no, yeah. he's just like, I apparently just moved it full of whatever was in there to this new house. He just seems like a college student, you know? He just doesn't seem like a 34-year-old or a 32-year-old man. It's like, I mean, I don't actually think it's that unbelievable that he did just move the whole thing wholesale, which is not what you're supposed to do when you're moving. Everybody knows this. You're supposed to empty out your drawers so that the dresser is lighter and also so that you have a get chance to go through stuff. what's in those drawers, you know, get rid of it, pack it properly, etc. And it's like every single thing that this guy does, it seems, is just coming from this level of immaturity and thought sort of thoughtlessness. I mean, quite and frankly, it just doesn't bode well. Even Jesse gave Darcy a panty drawer. Oh God! When she came to me. visit for two weeks, here's a place for her to put her panties. Yeah. <laughs> like what? But then this guy. So then Jonathan says, you know, that's from like th- my ex for three years ago. Why would you keep your ex's underwear for three years? And how do you know that? And like, it gets even worse because when that argument doesn't work, he tries to turn it around on her and say that he has seen men's underwear in her house, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. You mean the uh, the house that I share with my family, including my father, who, spoiler alert, presumably wears underwear? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so stupid. And she points, I mean, and she tells him, rightly so, she's like, yeah, I told you that was, he's like, I found men's clothes in your house and you said they belonged to your dad. How do I know that that's the truth? Right. Because it seems super illogical that the that my dad, who I live with, would have his clothes there at the same house where I live. Like, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how their stupid. arguments go in the future. Like, if that's sort of his mode of communication, if he's sort of a best defense is a good offense kind of a guy. Yeah, no, it's um, not. I mean, he's just That's going to be tough. And she's, she's like, only 19, and presumably, there. well, there's something of a language barrier because English isn't her first language, although she speaks it very well. Yeah. You know, she's going to be, she's so much younger, she's going to be constantly at a disadvantage, I think. I and agree. that's what's really concerning to me about her. I'm just, like, worried that she is going to be 
kind of not treated very well and not able to really defend herself. She's all alone. She's vulnerable. Well, also, so it's concerning, you know, and, and John, Jonathan is just such a, like, I mean, for somebody, I know he gets off on the fact that she's like a jealous type that he claims he's like, she gets jealous or whatever. But like, if you know that, you know, the person that your girlfriend or fiance or whatever is coming to move in with you and you know, she's a jealous person. Like, make sure you get rid of any evidence that another woman existed in your life. Like, I just don't she, think he cares, you know? I, I mean, I think he cares, but I don't think he cares enough to, like, put himself out and do the legwork, you know? See, I just don't even think... Feeling. I don't give him that much credit. I just think he's an idiot. I just don't Maybe. Even think, it's not that he doesn't care. It's that he... Oh, it didn't even occur to me. Yeah, you're probably right. It probably honestly didn't occur to him. And it kind of... I mean, and the thing that I thought was saddest about this, and this speaks to, like, kind of the vulnerability point that I made, is that she doesn't actually react with some kind of insane jealousy as he would have, I think, expected her to, or as he sort of prepared us to expect her to do. Right. She just looks sad. You know, she's, she's like, hurt. okay, this is getting thrown in my face, you know, that you have this kind of past with women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really just didn't want to see it. And it's the very first day that I get here and it's already getting thrown in my face. And it's just, it's just sad. I just felt really sorry for her. Yeah. She's just hurt. She's, and she's probably hurt that he didn't think about it. Exactly. Like, why didn't yeah. it occur to you? You knew I was coming. Yeah, it's like he just didn't care. The you least know, you could have done was turn on the that. power, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I mean, I guess he said that a storm took it out. But, I mean, so, I, like I said, I grew up on the East Coast, and we had a lot of storms that did knock the power out. But then it just sort of came back on, you know? I mean, there is a company yeah. dealing with this sort of a thing. I find it a little – I mean, I guess maybe if his circuit board, you know, if he needed to flip those – whatever they're called circuit breakers but then he could have done that as soon as they got there so that that confused me too i didn't i mean there was that but i mean and then the trunk of his car is just a hot mess and there's no bed i just the whole thing just reeks of like i was not prepared even though i knew you were coming i agree i think that's exactly (sighs) and that's hurtful because you feel like well gosh you didn't even do anything to prepare for me coming like you it just won't make her feel welcome right or or taken care of in any way and she's so reliant on him yeah you know which i think also is a central theme of this show that you have this like kind of this intense imbalance of power you know Mm -hmm. not every time but a lot of the time because you have someone coming away from their country away from their support system yeah they're coming here they're not allowed to work and make their own money so they have to depend on the other person financially a lot of the times yeah you know frequently there's this huge age difference frequently there's a major language barrier and i think that's why the show is so fascinating because it's just such a perfect storm they've created this they found this this situation that happens all the time that is almost guaranteed to be wildly problematic <laughs> right right uh, absolutely so all the better for <sighs> us uh, people watching <laughs> i know i'm very excited for next week's episode i cannot wait yeah. i am too so this was um as you all probably have figured out our inaugural episode this is the first episode we're recording um and releasing and then we will very soon be releasing archive episodes of Before the 90 Days Season 1. Meanwhile, we'll be continuing as um, as this current season of 90 Day Fiance airs on TV. We'll be continuing to recap it in real time. So that's our plan. Yeah, so we have a Facebook page. And um, come comment. Leave us comments. And uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. And please make sure to listen to our disclaimer at least once. 
<laughs> yeah, please, please, please listen to the disclaimer. We're we're lawyers. We we need to rely on these things. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. All right, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Legal disclaimer: This is a personal podcast, just for fun, solely meant for entertainment purposes. We are lawyers, but we're not giving any legal advice on the podcast. We're not creating any kind of attorney-client relationship in the podcast. And also keep in mind that anything we say, anything at all, it's just our personal opinions. We have no intention of maligning any individual, group, company, religious or ethnic group, nationality, or anything or anyone else. Lisa and Katie have no affiliation with TLC. These are not the opinions of TLC. And finally, anything that we say is not meant to represent anyone other than Lisa Freitas and Katie Saad individually. Finally, please give a, leave us a comment on our Facebook page and give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast service you're using to help us continue to record. Thank you.